Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. I might as well say that on the air. We need a new rejoin for the top of the show. <laughs> look who's with me. Is look it, who's look who's sitting in Ron is, Cook's is that, chair. Is that the theme from like Inspector Gadget or something? What is that? This I, I don't know, but when Joe Kopp joined us as a guest for the Ron send-off, he said, I see you guys are still playing the same music that right. we played six years ago. Well, no, that's not a comment on Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. Not even close to one. It, don't get me wrong. He just does what's in there. Hi, Paul. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Um, <laughs> I tell you, the, like I said to you off the air, the crick didn't rise, so I'm, I'm, I guess that's a good thing, right? Did, uh, have you been on the air since your mishap? No. Do, do you want to talk about it or no? That's fine. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, go ahead. Tell people what happened. It's wonderful to have you here. Uh, let's just say I got off the air on Friday and. Got into my car and passed out. <laughs> and uh, while driving, when I no, I was in the parking lot when I came to. I, I had really bad chest pains and Ooh. could only see out of one eye, and I was dizzy and faint, and probably shouldn't have drove, but I didn't know what else to do. I didn't want to wait for an ambulance, so I went to the ER. They admitted me, and uh, I was there. I've been basically in bed for four days, <laughs> so. Uh, they rolled out some of the worst of it, and I have some further testing I got to do, but essentially, um, it turns out working 15, 16, 18 hour days, <laughs> many days in a row, you know, uh, it's probably not good for your health and not eating. Are right there other things? Right. Yeah. Are there other things you're not doing that are <laughs> bad for your health? Yeah, of course. The cigars, yeah, maybe? The cigars. The probably, whiskey. Yeah, the, the, the beer, the cigars, and all the other stuff, so... Uh, when you're, when you're 30 years old and you go to the hospital, it's one thing when you're 53, it's kind of a wake up call. So I was in the hospital and then, uh, just laid in bed <clears throat> trying to recover. 
they gave me some new medications, and I got a couple more appointments this week to see that I figure it out. And uh, I got to be honest with you, walking from the car to here, I felt like I just ran a marathon. So are you so, okay right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to have to no, make it because I'm the last, literally, yeah. the last living mammal that you want near you <laughs> no, if there's a medical emergency. No, I'll be fine. I'm just saying, like, you think that being in bed for four days that you'd have a lot of energy. Yeah. But really, if you're in bed for the reasons I was in bed, yes, it's like you've got to rebuild your energy. You know what I mean? So. I gotta. I'm gonna try after the after the show. I'm gonna try and take like a 20 minute walk. 15. You know, usually usually I take like a 30, 35 minute walk. I'm gonna try to take like a 15 minute walk. Do you know there's a track right around the corner? Where? Green Tree Park. Oh, uh, up, up yeah, there. Yeah, we could take a walk together. <laughs> I've got to do the. Yeah, I've got to do the. We uh, could. And listen, <laughs> you're you are talking to the right guy in this sense. I had the same, not the same thing, but I had an epiphany, a wake up call a month ago when I had pneumonia. Yeah. And I went in and they told me I weighed 200 and almost 230 pounds. I'm almost Alex Highsmith, except he's all muscle. I'm all fat. Wow. And a blood pressure reading of 142 over 90. And I said, I'm not going out like this. Yeah. Since that day, I'm eating right. I'm exercising. I'm on a regimen. I cook yeah. my own meals. We could do this together. You have to. You have to. Uh, uh, the one thing that I've. Do you want to move in? Yeah, you, I'll, I'll move into your basement. You can. I'll cook. cook you. Uh, we just got a new couch in cook the basement. Good meals. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. Is that I, I, uh, I have to eat better to start. That that's going to be a, a big thing. I mean, with my lifetime, you know, as you know, I, I have other jobs and I, I do a lot of different stuff and I'm always on the run. But do you eat breakfast? Thing, I I eat like a banana and. You know, I had a banana and a pear today. You know, I'll a eat banana some fruit. And a pear? Yeah, a little fruit and a little fruit <laughs> action in the morning. I mean, that's, <laughs> listen, that's all I, I have, like that. You know, I mean, every so often I'll eat a granola bar or something like that. But for the most part, I just try and eat some fruit or something. I, I wish I had the time to wake up and like make some eggs or, you know what I mean? Something, but I don't have time. Listen, so, <sighs> I made it, I made scrambled eggs <clears throat> with Swiss cheese. Home oh, fries that and crispy so bacon today, and it took 15 minutes. That I have it down so to a good. science. You should come over for breakfast. Yeah. You should move in for a month like a rehab. <laughs> a rehab. Move in for a one-month rehab, and we'll we'll get on the same regimen. Yeah. For, yeah. What do you make of this? What do you make of this man in front of us? Well, first off, I didn't know any of this with either one of you, so I'm glad that both of you guys are doing well, and it sounds like you're both making changes, so I, headed in the right direction, well, right? Paul isn't really making changes yet. I, He's I, just he a, ate a banana today. That sounds well, healthy. Yeah, that's true. As I, as I said to Adam, though, when you get to be my age, you go in the hospital, especially for why I went into the hospital. Yeah. I mean, they as soon as I got into the ER, they are like, yo, get this guy back. So I didn't even, I didn't, you know, like, it's bad when you don't even look good. You know what I'm saying? What did they do to you then? Do you remember? EKGs and all that stuff. And they hooked me up to IVs and, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, gave me some kind of medication. I forget what it was. And then, so, but I was joking with Adam. And I said, uh, there was a point Friday where I was laying there and I really thought a black woman in a gospel choir robe was going to walk into the room and start going, the upper room. The last rites? 
Father yeah. Mulcahy was going to come in? Yeah, that's, that's, that's how I felt. <laughs> really, at one point Friday. Were, I you, thought, were you legitimately afraid you might die? Yeah. I thought Friday, and I thought, you know what? I've lived a good life. I'm going to miss everybody, but I guess, you know, if this is it, this is it. That's how I felt Friday. When I went in there wow. until I was laying in there for a while, and, you know, they got fluids in me and, you know, all the other stuff they do to – then I started feeling a little bit better, and then I was like, uh, uh, maybe a little bit, maybe like about three o'clock, because I went in there like right about ten forty-five or something. Maybe about three o'clock, three thirty. The nurse was like, "Well, you're starting to look a little better, so that's a good thing." I was like, "Oh, wow, gee, thanks. Man. That's traumatic." Just gee, thanks. Well, so, I was, I was, I was. I won't say near death, but let's put it this way: three years ago. In November, I got a phone call. I had just been overnight in the hospital. They thought it was either gallstones or some other thing. I got a call right after the show, and the nurse said it was a message that said, your blood test just came back. You have bacteria in your blood, which means you could die if you don't get in here soon. That's not a message you want to get. No, really. So I said to my wife, we have to go. And then on the ride there, I said, I'm sorry if I've been a horrible husband, but if I die here, well, here we go. It could happen. And I was in the hospital for 12 days. Yeah. 12. That's People awful. who have brain surgery get out before 12 days. Yeah, well, they got to make sure that, they, that, you're, that you're back, you know. What if, we, what if we were both dead? Well, we couldn't do we the wouldn't show. Be doing her, yeah. We wouldn't be here to do the show. There's absolutely no way we could do the show. <laughs> no, it would just be all dead air. <laughs> it would be dead air. You're right. I like that horse. Right? I do like that. So what do we want to talk about? I have an idea. You want to go death. with my idea? No. <laughs> Not, Not death. death. Right. I mean, I well, I'm, I'm, are you afraid of, here's what Bino Cook said. I'm not necessarily, he said when you get old, you know, people fear hospitals. And he said, it's not death you're afraid of. It's the exhibition season, right? <laughs> it's all that crap before it. Yeah, that's I mean, what frightens the me. Most, the most, the fa- the most, uh, the most um, lucky people in the world are the ones who just kind of go to sleep one day and don't wake up, right? Yeah. I mean, as opposed to people that like go through like sickness right, for right, six right. years or yes. seven years and their quality of life is terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or people that like are in traumatic wreck and they don't die instantly and they're, you know, two, two and a half days on machines and then they die. Those that 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 probably is what, you know, I I, I would not want to happen. Like I just wanted to go to sleep and wake Quick up. Quick and painless. You know, yeah. go to sleep and not wake up and then Right. You know, then, then uh, at that point you're you're in a. But anyway, I'm sure I'm sure right now, like we have half. How the, long uh, do you think Ron will live? He'll live a long time. I think a long time. I think he got out just in time. Yeah, and 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 he's the kind. If you listen to what he's going to do for the rest, of, you know what I mean. Yeah, he's not going to. I mean, the drinking part. I don't know that hurts, that helps, but I don't him. know if it hurts him that much. It, it hurts. Yeah. It, it does a little bit, but the bottom line is, if he's just going to hang out at the beach and relax and, and walk, and he walks walk, every and day, he walk and for exercise miles. and does what he does. Right. I think he'll be good. I mean, yeah. it, it's the end of the at the end of the day. It's we don't take care of ourselves in this country. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Our lifestyle here is insane. I think in Spain they have it right. You sleep in, you go to work for an hour, and then you start drinking. Yeah. All night. Well. And have a nice big meal that you eat slowly. Or 
Listen, one of my, my the, probably my favorite place, actually my favorite place to go, and I go pretty much every year, is Aruba. What do they do there? Their motto is one happy island, you know? So and a it's typical, nice. does anybody work? They all work. Everyone works there. This is the beauty, this is the beauty of it. It's not like a place like the Dominican where it's poverty stricken and you, you, if you leave the resorts, you got to worry about getting robbed and all that stuff. Everybody works there, but nobody's in a hurry. <laughs> If that makes sense. Yes. They all work. And they all, you know, support themselves. Nobody's in a hurry. And it's just, I mean, uh, it's, you know, you go, in, in, you know, if you, if you go into the restaurants and you go into the, you know, into the town, whatever, you know, people serve you well. They're, you know, they're very good at doing their jobs, but there's nobody that's pushing you to, you know what I mean? You got to go, got to do this, got to do that. It, Where it, is Aruba? It's right off the South American coast. So... It's like literally like. Do they have golf courses? Yes, it's literally a few. Uh, it's it's literally like, maybe like, I want to say it's like twenty miles, or man, more than that. Maybe it's like eighty miles from Venezuela. Huh. But they have golf courses, um, and they've got um, beer, beer obviously. But my my point is, that's people say. Well, why do you love Aruba? Well, gee, I don't know. Sun, sand, beautiful beaches. Clear beaches that you can actually see your feet even when you're walking out there. There's I no, love that. There's no sharks and there's no hurricanes. But, and the weather is 82 to eight, 82 to 90 and sunny every day of the year. Could you uh, move there? Absolutely. I would. If I, if I, honestly, if I could figure out a way to do it, I'd move tomorrow. I, I tell my kids that all the time. Believe me. If I could, Can you get a job there? If I could get, if I could get a job there, I would be there tomorrow. Honestly. <laughs> I'd live there. I'd be the, Ford. Can you find him a job? I'd be the biggest beach bum on the planet. Yeah, but, I'd be good at that. But too. but the, the, when people say oh, you'd get bored of the beach, no, I wouldn't. But here's the thing: you learn when you go places like that that our lifestyle here is nuts. Like we're crazy here. Yeah, it's, it's it feels like <laughs> you know, you know the, the, there's a certain amount of people where everything's very easy, and then everybody else is scrambling like hell. Just to just to meet their, their their the basic requirements of living, right? But it's not just that, Joe. And you were talking a little bit about it before, okay, with your daughter and all of her activities. Yeah. Listen, I coach girls basketball, right? Like these families, these young families nowadays, with they got these young kids. I don't know if it's like keeping up with the Joneses or you think you're going to miss something, right? But it is incredible. You know what I mean? It, I could. I'm tired listening to their schedules. <laughs> Believe me. You know what I'm saying? We got little Molly's birthday party, and then we've got to go to this kind of party. Then we've got to go to this, and then we've got a, a, a basketball workout, and then we've got to do this. And the, I'm like, do you guys ever just like as a family, I don't know, hang out at your house and relax? Well, that's why. That's why during the pandemic, as horrific as it was for a lot of families, other families discovered, oh, my God, that's my son. <laughs> that's my wife. I haven't seen you in years. You know, it was like time at home, forced time at home. You know what I mean? I, I, absolutely. That's the whole point. I mean, listen. And I'm, I'm doing that right now. She quit uh, softball and no more basketball. That's been a couple of years. So one sport. So now there's time to go places, to do things. Right. To talk. Well, she doesn't really talk to us, but things like that. It's just, it's interesting, man, to step out of that <laughs> madness of that schedule. Like, let's go to 
you know, Robert Morris in a dome on a Saturday night for travel softball practice <laughs> so somebody can manually throw you fly balls for half an hour and we'll all say, well, that was worth it. We got better. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. And like I said, I, I like, for instance, if I have like a practice, right? Okay. I want to call a practice. I mean, okay. Can any, can, can everybody get to a practice that's a seven o'clock or six o'clock on Thursday? Right. Well, I don't know. Little Molly's got piano lessons. Little, this one's got this. We got that. I, I, I joke. I'm like, some of you have lawn dart lessons. You've got this. You've got that. Like, do, do ever, do any of you ever just like, I don't know, hang out at home? They or, don't. Or, or we or, don't. We or, didn't. Or better yet, do any of you ever just like two of you or, or like, like we did when we were young, you know, you walk out your door to your neighbor's house and you get your neighbor's friend and you go down here and you guys just run around the neighborhood and have a good time all with, with no adults telling you what to do. Never. No, no scheduled Never. time. There, there's no sport that takes place that isn't parentally supervised anymore. Even pickup games. That's what I mean. They're probably lined with parents watching pickup basketball. I, I tell people all the time. One of the worst, one of the worst. People talk about, oh, well, AAU is ruining basketball and blah, blah, blah. No, that's not why kids at eighth grade, ninth grade still don't know how to play basketball. Do you want to know why? Because none of them ever play pickup basketball. Right, which means you never learn. You never learn how to play basketball. Exactly. You never learn how to play basketball. Listen, when you, when, when you play pickup basketball, you know what you figure out? How to run to open spaces, how to set a screen, right? And if you want to, to keep playing, yes, how to win. How to win. Because that's how you stay on exactly. the court. Exactly. How to how to move the ball. And guess what? Here's the other thing. Because there's wind a lot of times standing out there from 25 feet and shooting, you're not going to make many. So you got to learn how to get to the basket and score. There's so many things you learn just by playing pickup basketball. Yeah. Right, right, but, right. But, but I have my kids, I try and get them to play pickup basketball, and I watch it, and it's a disaster. It's like you – Never. It's it's like taking robots and putting them on a different exactly. planet on a different planet. What what do what, where do I go? What do I do? Usually everything's choreographed, you know? That's the whole point. It's like what are we doing? So to me, long story short, <laughs> I know we went way over or whatever, but No, we didn't. We usually go 40 minutes at oh, the time. Oh, okay, good. We can keep talking then. Well, 30, right, Sean? Long story short, or a short story long. Whatever. We are it, absolutely insane in this country, and that's re- that's a big reason why we have all the health issues that we have. I mean, I looked at my pill thing, and I'm like, I got all these pills that I got to take every day. Yeah, I want to stay away from For pills what? if I can. For what? Because of stress. Exactly. Stress. Lifestyle issues, Lifestyle, perhaps. eating wrong, <laughs> right? All of it. But here's the thing. If it was just me, if it was just me, I would be like, well- that's on me. But I know, you know, probably nine out of ten of my the people that I know would fit into that category where they don't eat right, they don't sleep right, they work too much, they do this too much, they you know what I mean? That's we're all a- we're all hamsters scrambling on a wheel. <laughs> Paul's ice is in for the rest of the week. Yes. Right? Lord willing and the crick don't rise. And the crick don't rise. <laughs> and it might rise this week. Sean don't call me Seth Myers is to my left. It's off the top. We have uh, Jay Caulfield at noon talking penguins. I have a project for us, Paul. I know this is a, a surprise to you because this wasn't exactly meticulously planned, but that's how we do it here on the 10 a.m. show. You and I are going to run the Steelers 
you can be Omar Khan or Mike Tomlin or Art the Second. Which one would you like to be? Art the Second. I'm in charge. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll be Tomlin then. Um, and we can we're, we're gonna we're gonna break down the Steelers position by position. Okay. And you and I get to make all the decisions. And it's gonna be interesting because here's the thing. Some people have this happy notion of the Steelers that everything they do is by consensus. Like they all magically agree on things. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, if you injected Andy Weidel and Omar Khan and Art and Mike Tomlin with truth serum, you think they'd all say they believe in Kenny Pickett? <laughs> or, or do you think they would all say, I know uh, Omar and Andy weren't in their current roles then, would they have drafted Kenny Pickett? Was it a good idea to draft Kenny Pickett? I don't think so. Are you willing to do this? Uh, yeah, I'll do it. I don't, I don't know that uh... – I think that'd be interesting. That would be an interesting discussion. I don't know out loud if they would admit that they wouldn't have drafted him. No, they, not unless they were on truth serum. No, hindsight being twenty twenty. Do you agree that it was completely Tomlin's? That ultimately Tomlin yeah, made that call. I think call? they panicked. I think they could have got him in the second round. They still got him. I think looking back, they probably know that now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So yes, there's also a very interesting name out there that may be free on the quarterback market. So why don't we talk about all of this? Uh, can, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you see the story? I was thinking about you. Did you see the story about the hockey cards? No. You didn't see this story? No. I figured you saw it. I figured we might actually be talking about it today. What hockey cards? So there was a case of unopened cards from, I guess, what was Wayne Gretzky's rookie season? Mid eighties, maybe. Yeah, eighty, maybe something. I 80, think he was probably 80s? like seventy nine. Seventy nine, eighty, NHL, something like whatever, that. Whatever yeah. it was, right? There's so uh, they found a case of unopened cards, very rare. On a ten thousand cards, forty eight boxes of cards. They went to auction with them. Someone paid three point five million dollars for them, on the on the hopes that there's some Wayne Gretzky, wow, Wayne Gretzky uh, rookie cards in there. Did they open them? Uh, that's a good, st I'm, I'm going to follow that up. But I saw that story and I said, I got to figure out whether or not Joe knows about this because that's right up his alley. Did you collect cards as a kid? I did when I was young. Yes. Baseball cards. And I did a lot of dumb things with them too. So did I. And then my mom put them in lunch bags. Yes. And they all got ruined. Um, did you get the Harlem Globetrotters cards as a kid? Yes. I got them all. Remember I, I, Curly Neal? Yeah. He had a, he was sitting at an yes. easel. With a painter's hat on, that was oh, a great yeah, card. That, that was, was a great, great card. card. I, I I don't have any of my cards, right? But here it goes. The auction house estimated that it contains twenty-seven rare, pristine Gretzky rookie cards. Oh my gosh! You know who we should we should call? Let's call the uh, the general fort. Can we do that? Yeah, I think we should be able. Give to Give him make a call happen. right now. We'll talk to him when we come when when we come back about these hockey cards. How about this? The huh. Spokesman. For the Heritage Auctions, told the Associated Press that the winning bidder is not likely to open the sealed boxes and packs. This is something you could ask your guy because they're even rarer than the rookie cards. In other words, the packs unsealed are worth more than if you pulled the rookie cards out, the 17. But how do you know what's in there? Exactly. Let's ask the general. Three, Why don't we do that coming up? $3.1 is what he paid for this. He'll have the lowdown on all of this. Let's talk to him coming up. Talk a little Penguins, but first, 
Paul and I are going to decide the Steelers' fate this offseason. Position by bloody position. That's how we're going to do it, and we're going to start in the quarterback room. When do you think we'll have our first argument? I think that should be interesting. Yeah, it'll happen. Wait, within I, the hour, you I, I think. Have, you and I have had some legendary arguments. <laughs> I think it might happen. Within I think the, the first hour. Ar- the first argument we ever had was when I drove you to the airport in El Paso, and you were not. That wasn't an argument. You're, you're, that was you driving 100 miles an hour and me cowering my, in fear. Yes, you were not a fan of my driving style. <laughs> He told that story on the air last week, and it was incredible. And that was after sitting up all night in the room because there were those little lizards. Yeah, yeah. lizards in my room. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And you're like, <laughs> I remember that. That was the only good part of that trip was Prince L. Brockenbro and Fitzgerald, right? <laughs> yes, Prince L. Brockenbro. They were awesome that day, and the spread right behind us. Yes, the barbecue at Texas A and M. Right, that's right. All I do, I read. Oh, I could reach from this chair behind me. Burnt ends, sliced pork, mac and cheese, all Texas yes. style. It was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. But still, uh, when it comes to legendary eating performances in press boxes, your your destruction of the dessert table in Toledo. Toledo, yeah. <laughs> that was. That was something to behold. It was such a surprise because usually the rest of the meal was like boxed pizza, and then I remember bowls of M&Ms at Toledo. But then they came out with this deluxe dessert tray, and we killed it. And that was the night Pitt, uh, Pitt's season got ruined. Remember? Yeah. Bruce Gregkowski That's and right. Lance Moore. That's right. The I lead to my story that. the next day was thanks for coming. <laughs> thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, let's fix the Steelers and do numerous other things here. I was going to say sundry. Is that the right word for sundry things? Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right. You just have to be confident when you say it, and it's correct. Off the top by J.P. Roofing and Siding. Fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.com. Dot net. And it's very important that you follow along on the text line because we're going to finish with text in the city. I also have a game of PTI for Paul and I. It's going to be Paul Thinking Inwardly, I think, is the, uh, is the acronym there. We're going to be on a time clock with Fort Myers giving us a bunch of topics, and then he's going to judge who won. Time right now, Paul, Edgar Snyder and Associates, personal injury law firm where they always say, there's never a fee unless we get money for you. So get your text in, give your name, and give a hot take, 928-9370. And the time is 1027. Time to call Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Paul, do you have a 15-second read right here, I believe, if I'm not mistaken? I do. I, I don't know. know. It says on this sheet. All right, I, Maybe I, Fort Myers. Well, you, you know what? This is my fault. You have to get used to the time clock, which is to say there is no time clock. On no, that's show. like me. You know. So, yeah. That's why you and I will work together. We'll work well together because both of us are not good at the time clock. <laughs> there could be actually like a few shows by the end of the week where we never get to a commercial. We, we should, should just, just cover it. the clock for the entire four yeah. hours, just like a casino where they don't want you to know what time it is. Things go better, I think. Yeah, like a radiothon. We'll just keep going. The All thing right. is, you know, they, they need to pump oxygen in here to keep us awake like they do in a casino. All right. Do I read this now? All right. It's Paul Zeiss, guys. Dealing with ED is miserable. You know it, and she knows it, too. New Flow Men's Health is the area's leader in 
To reading erectile dysfunction with long-term positive results, don't be taken advantage of by clinics peddling testosterone, pills, or other crap. No pills, no injections, and no games. Take control and you get your confidence back by contacting New Flow Men's Health, 412-784-9000. That's 412-784-9000. Visit us at newflowmenshealth.com. That's N-U-F-L-O menshealth.com. Sean Myers bringing you your fan headlines. The Pittsburgh Pirates fell 8-4 to yesterday against the Toronto Blue Jays in spring training. But the good news, Tamar Johnson, one of their top prospects, hit a couple of home runs in that setback. Pirates will host the Atlanta Braves today, first pitch at 105. And tonight, Pitt at Clemson, men's basketball. Those teams currently tied for fifth place in the ACC at 9-7. and We'll have pregame starting 30 minutes prior. Headlines powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville now open for more. Check out 937thefan.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. There we go, Paul. You a Pete Townsend guy? Yes. How I, can we make you happy with the music today? I know you like this, but you like... Uh, I like a lot of stuff. Earth, Wind, and Fire is what you yeah, play on your show? Yeah, of course, that's, you know, always the uh, staple of my shows, but uh, this is your show, so I, I'm just a guest, right? Well, we aims to please our guests, right? Don't we, Sean? That's always the goal. If you can find Paul a little earth, wind, and fire before the end of the show. Any other requests? Good for the soul. Good for the soul. We've got that. I think we've got some Michael Jackson in there. We've got some good stuff like that in there, right? Did you see the Netflix piece on uh, We Are the World, how they brought all those people yes. together? For You yes. saw that? Yeah. Amazing. Uh-huh. And Michael Jackson was the biggest star. Absolutely. I mean, he was just, he, it was like, it was every, him and everybody else. It was crazy. 
I mean, I think that that's the biggest thing. Uh, from there was a bunch of those compilations, right? Yeah. Do you remember? I I, I saw I watched one of those on uh, Dion Warwick. Did you see the one where she where she put together that? Uh, remember they did the tribute song for AIDS. Remember in like right eighty seven right. eight. Uh, I'd like to see I can, it. I, I can. I, I can, love I her. can hear the song, but I can't think of. Uh, that's what friends are for. Remember that? Yes. It was her. Think about this foursome. Her. Stevie Wonder, Elton John, and Gladys Knight. That was the wow. That was the four she pulled together. Elton John said, and this is you don't realize like certain people like Dionne Warwick, how big and influential they were in the music industry, right? She's still alive, isn't she? Oh yeah. She she Elton John said when she called, I said there's no way I can't uh, there's no way I can say no. Right? She had a song called Alfie. Was that about Alan Robinson from the AP? <laughs> I guess. Alan, <laughs> Robinson, Alan Robinson from the AP, the, the, the happiest man in media. What about Ebony and Ivory? You and I should sing that song later. <laughs> That's the I'll show. I'll be Paul McCartney. Hey, you'd be Stevie Wonder. That, that could be the name of the show, Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. <laughs> All right. Where were we? Oh, the general is not available right now. We we're must we're be to yeah. a to a card issue probably I would the baseball it, card castle you know. so we'll get back to that with paul's hockey cards or whoever the guy was that paid 3.2 million for these hockey cards what the deal is here in the meantime paul is art rooney i'm mike tomlin and we're both half of omar khan and we're sitting upstairs in our offices on the south side mapping out our off season and you can join us at any point as a consultant you can be andy weidel if you call in Let's just go position by position, Paul. Let's start with the most important one. Your art, so you convene the meeting. What are we going to do about the most important position on the field? Let's debate. Go. I'm Mike Tomlin. I'm art? Yeah. Um, well, again, I think everybody, we've already made it a pretty clear Kenny Pickett is going to start the year as our, as our starter. But you be art as you think he yeah. should be if, with if your I'm, ideas. Yes, yes. Yeah. I would say, is Baker Mayfield available? Mm. If he's not available, then I would say, uh, is Kirk Cousins available? Mm. And if he's not available, then I would say, all right, we'll just, let's do the Ryan Tannehill thing. We'll bring him in as our backup. As a guy that we know, if Kenny Pickett doesn't get it done, that we have a guy that can win games. So I Ryan would, Tannehill stinks, Art. That's my one problem there. And Kirk but, Cousins is too expensive. But, but 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 Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield are coming in as starters. I agree. I would agree. Tannehill I, I, is coming in as a backup. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, Mike. You've proven absolutely incapable. Okay, of uniting your <laughs> locker room. Which is why I don't want Mason Rudolph in there. Because I feel of, insulted, Art. You should be. If Mason Rudolph is in there, I know what's going to happen. The first time Kenny throws a poor, a bad pass, an interception, whatever, half your locker room is going to start chirping about how they want Mason Rudolph to play. Oh, because believe he played me, well. I know. You and I did a great job pretending that we really want Mason back. <laughs> so fist bump there. Right. Right. So at the end of the day, he's gone. We've got to find a backup, and it's got to be a veteran. No, we have to find a starter. So, let, let, how about some common ground on Baker Mayfield, Art? Of course, if he's available, that's where we're going. If, okay. If Baker Mayfield is available, we are going to go all in to try and get him. I have a bold idea for you. 
and Omar, you feel, why don't you be Omar? Uh, Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. You just pipe in whenever you want, even okay. though you don't really have any power. Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what about Justin Fields? No. I like Justin Fields. I visited with him at the Combine. Great kid, you liked, leader. You liked Malik Willis as well. That hurts, Art. Uh, well, I'm just saying, you know what? No, I, I didn't like Malik Willis. <laughs> I told everybody I liked Malik Willis. We wanted to draft Malik Willis, so they wrote it, and then I took Pickett. What if Pickett would have been— Kenny Blanken what, Pickett, what, big boy. What if Pickett would have been off the board, you would have taken Malik Willis. We know it. So my point is, here, if you bring in— if we're going to bring in a starter, we're going to pay the money to bring in a starter, or we're going to use the capital to trade for a starter— why are we going to go get a reclamation project that we don't necessarily know whether or not he's going to be good or not? Go get somebody we know can play the position. Okay. Guys, you I know think what? Russell Wilson can play the position. He's a weirdo. We don't want him in our locker room. I love Russell Wilson. I'll tell you that. We can get him on the cheap. Don't That's have to worry unfair. about the cost. That's an unfair rap I'm by Art saying, there. All me, I, here's what I know about Russell Wilson. He beat in a row Cleveland, Kansas City, Buffalo, Minnesota and Green Bay didn't throw a pick the whole time. You'd like him, Mark. I, I, I would, except for the, the problem is none of his teammates like him. <laughs> That's overblown. When, uh-huh. the, when, when the Broncos tried to screw him over, his teammates were, came out in support of him. Uh, yeah. Well, all I'm, I'll, here's the thing. I wouldn't. I, I would actually. And we can get him for nothing. I would be actually okay with Russell Wilson ahead of Justin Fields. So let my, me, point let me, is, my point is Russell Wilson's proven he can win games. He's proven he can be a quarterback at a reasonably high level. Kirk Cousins has done the same thing, okay? Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield has done the same thing. But Kirk Cousins is going to cost us yeah, but millions. We got, we got $30 million extra. So, But what's the difference between Cousins and Wilson? Plus, Cousins coming off an Achilles. He is, absolutely. I'd rather have Baker for probably a pretty penny but not as pretty as that or Again, Russell for nothing. I would, Russell for nothing. I would say but I would say one of those 3 for the most part those are the 3 that actually have proven they can win football football game that aren't reclamation projects. I I I have had enough of the reclamation projects at quarterback, okay? We 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 didn't we learn our lesson this year. Remember remember what we spent the whole offseason last year or 2 years ago convincing ourselves that one year with Brian DeBoer, or whatever the hell his name is up there in Buffalo, one year watching Josh Allen fixed Mitch Trubisky. Remember that? Hey, Art, have you heard the Trubisky train thing on 93.7 yes. The Fan? I think that's where it all started. My Omar, is, do you have anything to say here? Bring in somebody who knows how to play the position that we don't have to guess. Yep. I would like to have a lot of money to spend elsewhere, so if we can get a quarterback that comes in cheap, I'm going to be all for that. Let me suggest a bold move to both of you gentlemen. What if we really, really went for it and went for the Bears' top pick? Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Ryan Poles, their GM, said today, I've got nothing for you. And that is what he said for the quarterbacks. What if they want to keep Fields and trade the number one pick? And what if we could get our hands on Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels? If you like him, Art. And we trade them T.J. Watt. You interested? No. Mike, I'm worried about what that's going to do to the rest of the locker room as it currently is considered. Let me tell you, Omar, about the rest uh, of the locker room. None of them have ever won a playoff game. I'm not worried about that. 
I'm worried about again. You take Caleb Williams, we have no idea if he's going to be a good quarterback. You take Drake May, we have no idea if he's going to be a good quarterback. You take Jaden, what was his name? Jaden Daniels Daniels from LSU. We have no idea if he's going to be a good quarterback. I know. Let's, but but, but let's think about this. this Instead of bringing in a broken down Kirk Cousins, a okay, late listen, stage Russell let's get, Wilson. Let's get rid of let's get rid of Kirk Cousins, okay? You're okay. right. Cost too much All money. Right. Cost All too right. much money. Thank you for that. I concession. like him I like him more than Justin Fields, but let's say he costs too much money. So let's focus on Baker Mayfield or Russell Wilson. Okay. You bring those two guys in. You have a chance with an you know, with some of your stars on defense getting old to maybe take a run. If you gave the Steelers Baker Mayfield last last season, for the entire season. If you gave us, yeah. Gave us Baker Mayfield. Oh, May- sorry. Yeah, gave us yeah. Baker Mayfield for the entire season last year. Yeah. I'm thinking we win 12, 13 games. And it'd probably have a home playoff game. Omar, what do you say to that? I think I think we're awfully close, and a, a quarterback can get us over the hump. So, yeah, if we can do that, I think, there's interest on our side to make it happen. Now, Todd Bowles said today, and I did see this, that signing Baker is of the highest priority, but they didn't tag him. He could be out there. I'm with you. Have, have we reached a consensus on Baker Mayfield if he's available? I'm willing to do whatever it takes to move money around to bring him in. Art? I would do whatever, yes. If he's available... I would do what it takes to get Baker Mayfield. And I don't think it would cost as much as you think it would cost. All right. What if it's plan B and we go with no with somebody who's not a threat to Kenny? You mentioned Ryan Tannehill. If, ta- if we're going the no threat route, give me Jacoby Brissett or Gardner Minshew. Okay. Guys who can actually play if you have to use them. Well, here's my thing. The thing about Ryan Tannehill that would be very attractive, he already knows the system. So you wouldn't have to waste reps that you want to get Kenny. You wouldn't have to re- waste them on trying to get your backup to understand what's going on and get reps with the first team and all that stuff. You wouldn't have to do that. Kenny would be able to get every rep he needs to get. I know, but he's horrible. That's Who? the problem. Who? Tannehill. And maybe Ke- maybe Kenny, horrible. too. I, don't... I mean, listen. He's we, broken down. What we've seen with him, though, is if you have a good running game and you take the pressure off of him, He's pretty good at play action. He makes enough of the throws that he can he can be in a pinch your guy. We're doomed no matter what, aren't we? We're no, going to run an offense so. from I... the 1970s with a boring run game and a play action so. pass game. We're going to look like the Titans from those years where they were pretty good, but you knew they weren't going to win a championship. I, I, I really don't think so. You want to fold the franchise, Art? I think if you <laughs> – yes. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sell it and buy a buy a horse track with it like go the opposite of the way it came. Um I I I'm going to tell you I I think that if we can get a quarterback or if Kenny Pickett can play at a higher level, we have a shot to be pretty good next year. So it's not hopeless, but it's a matter of getting the right guy. Super Bowl? Uh I don't know if we can do that. I mean Then what it, are we doing? That's why I want to go high ceiling. I want to go high ceiling with right, my but quarterback. Right, if you go get high ceiling, you get a rookie. I mean, you, I know. You, well, you, look at C.J. Stroud. Yep. Did they win the Super Bowl? No. Okay. But so, they didn't have a very good roster. We would have a better roster around our guy. Right. But my 
my thing with that is when you say win the Super Bowl, you got to remember you're in a conference with Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert in a new system that probably is going to work a hell of a lot better than the, the what he just got done with. Did you mention Lamar, Tua? You, yeah, you, you know, and you've got Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence. So, I know, so how can well, we show up to camp with Kenny Pickett and Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> That's why I want to fold the franchise, Art. But if you but, but if you show up with Caleb Williams, are you better? Um, more excited. What, what, you're more excited? What does that mean? It means he could be great. Yeah, he we could have also a chance be, at greatness. You could also be 0-17. And even better than we get the number one pick <laughs> next year. We're yeah, finally out of the mushy middle. That doesn't good. sound like you, Mike. Yes. I know. I want. I do want to keep that non-losing streak. Well, you got to have the intact. non-losing streak. I mean, if you don't have that, what do you have? All right. I like that. I think we might have reached a consensus on Baker Mayfield. Did we? If he's available. Yes. I think Baker Mayfield is the best option among starting options. Now, I actually. My, my, my only thing with Russell Wilson is where he's been, his teammates have not liked him. He's turned into a little bit of a weirdo. I thought and he I, did that more, more two years and, ago and, than this I, last and, year. And I'm thinking about the way that Steeler fans treat the quarterback if he doesn't play well or he doesn't play the way they think he should play. Yeah. And how sensitive he is. I don't know if that would be a good mix. That's all I'm saying. Did you see Termar Johnson yesterday? Yeah. Man, did he that? crush that second – what was it, the first one yeah. or the second one? The I don't know which one. one I was watching, but he did a little bat flip. Yeah. It's tremendous. That's – that's see, that's – that to, – to, to segue to sort of draw a parallel, right? Young, talented guy, that's what you're talking about. Hope, excitement. Hope and excitement. They, they sell. All right, coming up, we're still going to effort the general – we're going to get back to Steelers. We're going to go to running backs, our offensive line, et cetera, because we worked that out very well between Art, Mike, and Omar. But how about a little Penguin talk at the top of the hour? Tristan Jari is a name that keeps coming up now more often than it did. We're getting real close to the trade deadline, March 8th. They have a huge game tonight. What do they actually need to do on this road trip and the two games after that, which are the last two games before the deadline. That's Washington and Columbus at home. What do they have to do to keep Kyle Dubas from selling and maybe selling big? Let's talk about all of that. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. And I also have a mailbag today that has many, many good questions. Uh, mm-hmm. including one about Ron Cook that I think Paul will be happy to answer. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Warm but rainy, high of 61. We've been talking a lot of NBA. We're getting close to uh, TNT Thursdays. But right now I want to tell you about how new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Was watching a couple of games last night. Man, if you pick Sacramento, you're going to get points. I know that much. De'Aaron Fox is on a heater. You want to just try to find these trends where a guy gets hot for like two weeks. 
you know, and then and then you can cool off and they'll cool off. But but get them while they're hot. He's hot right now. Quick bets, same game parlays, exclusive props. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Starkey and shoot your shot. 21 plus, present in Pennsylvania. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. With your fan headlines, this is Sean Myers. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. When start a four-game road trip. Ah, uh, what we say, a little earth, wind, and fire, good for your soul, baby. little earth, wind, and fire. Hey, listen, we can all use a little soul food in our life. And, Joe, I thought this might be the song that might be playing on, on Saturday. Do you want to know why? Because I tell my kids all the time, this is my fu- my funeral song. Play this. I don't oh, want my people, God. I don't want people feeling bad about it. I want people to feel good about the life that I've lived. And this, right? This kind of is that's depressing it is but it's not because the song puts you in a good mood good for your soul that's what i was saying thank you sean don't call me seth you're welcome (laughs) right right thank you yeah he you're a special special guest today and he wanted to honor rejoin for every segment i think (laughs) especially the fact that you're alive is big i mean it definitely beats the alternative yeah exactly that is true you want to talk a little hockey? We can talk whatever you want to talk, sir. Let's go to the Penguins. Let's go to the trade deadline. Let's go to this West Coast trip. I'm starting to wonder if the worst thing they can do is is convince Kyle Dubas not to break them up. They won two games where I didn't think they played well. Since the day he spoke and said, all right, I, I think I owe it to these guys to give them till the trade deadline. Why? They're 2-0. and they could easily split this road trip, then come home and beat Columbus and Washington, and then the deadline. That just doing that would make them six and two, and would would might convince him to either stand pat or add to the team. I think that's the worst thing that can happen. Exactly. We talked about this. You just talked about this with the Steelers, didn't you? You're in, you're, you're in purgatory. Yes. In the middle. In the middle. And, and listen, I, 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 I know I get it. If you get in the playoffs, you have a shot. No, you don't. They're not good enough to get it. So here's my thing. If they're going to get to the trade deadline and decide that we're going to continue moving forward, right? Yeah. Then they need to add. And I don't know that they have really that many pieces they can add and they don't have salary cap space. They, so if you're going to do that, you're going to have to add. Because you're not good enough as you are to make a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, wow, wonderful. You slop together enough points that you're able to get to the eighth wild, you know, the, the final wild card spot or whatever. Who cares? 
My thing is, <clears throat> what are you going to do to make your team better moving forward? Moving forward in the short term, in the, in the, like in next the, in the season, next four, in the next three seasons. Yeah. Are we gonna, I agree. Are we, two years from now, are we going to be saying, well, you know, Malkin and Latang and, and, and Crosby, they give you a chance. We got to keep them together. I feel like that's going to happen like 40 years from now. I, I just, I, I don't understand this mentality. And my thing is this, you know, I said, if you, if you know, before, right, these last six games, right, they played six games, five of them at home. And I said, they need to get out of those six games. They need to get at least nine, if not ten points. They got seven. Yeah, it's not enough right the, 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 now. So, I, I know they have games in hand here, but but the Red Wings have won five in a row. The Lightning seem to be a little bit back on track. Their best bet might be catching the Flyers, but that also means the Devils and Capitals are right in front of you. I think their best bet is catching the Flyers, by the way. Right. And the especially, Islanders just especially moved Especially with the Flyers goalie situation right now. Would you trade Tristan Jari? I, I mean, what, what what is the goal of that, I guess? Well, it, for me, it would be in a goalie-starved league. I think you would you would get a premium price for him because he's still young. Right. He's, he's good, and he is signed at a reasonable price. For, he's like, for a number of years, it's like a – he's like at the perfect height of his powers right now in terms of trade value. Perfect. I get that, but isn't having a goalie in place – at a really good price for the next five or six years, make it easier to build around the goalie. That's the other side my, of it. My, yeah, my that's the other is, side of it my, for my sure. My thing is, let's. I mean, let's rip the bandaid. But off they have that. a young guy. They have a young guy in Wilkesbury. Right. Bloomquist. Okay. So maybe you get by for a year. Maybe he's ready next year. I don't know. People talk about him like he's eleven. He's going to be twenty-three. Okay. Maybe he's ready. Maybe Jari's your best trade piece. But if, the bandaid again. If he's your tra- trade piece. And you, you're going to make your team better for the future, you know, by getting some younger guys or prospects or even a pick or whatever. That's good. Here's my thing. Until you move on from the core, you, you're, there's no changing you're going to do to this roster. You just can't, There's not a lot of flexibility. That's the problem. you got so many contracts you cannot move. Well, you have to try, and now's the time. Right. But, who, who was in yesterday? Oh, Bob. Remember how cranky Bob was yesterday? Sean? I wasn't here, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he was. here's Bob's takes yesterday. He hated the waste management open, too rowdy. He hates court storming, too rowdy. And he hates mock drafts. So we're going to have a segment next Monday called Get Off Bob's Lawn. Yeah, that's good. No. I mean, again, I, I'm not a big fan of mock drafts before the combine is even over. but <laughs> I like them. Uh, I think they're fun. But I will say, I love the the waste management open, but I, I, I will say this. I just think, I mean, we, we, we talk about this all the time, but as long as you have those three guys, and four now, four with Carlson, right? You've got Carlson and the other three. As long as you've got those four contracts and those four guys at the top of your roster and your team built around those four, how much different can you make your team? Well, I say a lot, but you'd have to be willing to move on from Jari. From Gensel, maybe from Rust, Rust or Pedersen, yeah, right. or Pedersen, and then the the older guys, you, you trade them. Riley Smith, Lars Eller, 
people like that. You pray that somebody will take Ryan Graves off your hands. So you're basically There's a chance to transform what you got going on and maybe do a soft rebuild where you come back next year with some younger, legit NHL players, some prospects that are ready to come in and but, do but, that. This, to me, the problem isn't the, the those three core guys, although Malkin is a problem right, right now. Right. Um, it's it's everything. It's building with 30-somethings around them. Right. Like, let's get younger guys in building with them. Is And, and I think that's the other thing. If you, you If you could do that, I would listen to it. If you could do that. But I just don't know that there's enough flexibility around the four guys. I know. The contracts are a problem. I think Rust has a full no movement. I know Carlson does. But, you know, those are like college coaching contracts. Thing, they're, yeah. they're meant to be broken, right. right? My thing with Carlson is you don't have any emotional, long-term, whatever, ties to him. Right? right? Yeah. So my thing with that is and and really that deal it actually did what you wanted it to do which was get rid of a bunch of bad contracts right so to me i'd be willing to make to take a little bit less to move them right would you be willing to take just a little bit less than maybe you think is valuable? Oh, a lot less yeah. be- because the cap space is the other thing. Right, like, exactly. like you're not just getting first-round picks, which in hockey, especially in the second half of the first round, are, are sometimes useless for the near future. You're freeing a ton of cap space, and you have a whole off-season to revamp your roster, a whole off-season to sign people. Right. What if you can get rid of uh, uh, Raquel and Riley Smith? That's $10 million. Lars Eller, now we're up to $12 million. I know you're going to be taking some salary back. I get that. You somehow get rid of Ryan Graves, that's four point five. Carlson, that's $10. Uh, Jari, that's five three. Maybe Maybe you can get Nadelkovich to sign for, you know, a reasonable deal coming back. You put him with the kid. Or you just you survive for a year in goal. Teams do it all the time. I don't think Vegas thought they were winning the, winning the 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 cup last year with the goalie who won them the cup. You just survive for a year, right? But you free up tons of money. You bring in a wave of youth in the form of draft pick prospects, r- good young players. I mean, Gensel. That's where I start with a return for Gensel. Is give me a good young NHL player. That's where we start on the return. Right. Then we can talk about draft pick. Or prospect, you but, know what I mean. But again, if you're going to trade him, you're going to have to trade him in the next week and a half or whatever. Yeah. So that means, you know, what if they do go six and two, like you said? I know, and it very well could happen. That's although, the although without Russ, well, they're going to lose probably to Vancouver and Edmonton, but they can win the other two games, Calgary and Seattle. They've already won two games against mediocre teams, right. and they can win two more against mediocre teams in Columbus and yeah. Washington. Yeah. And then you're sitting at six and two, and Dubas is saying, "All right, you guys proved it. Let's add some players, or at least I won't break you up." If they don't add, though, they're way, they're they're kidding themselves. If it, they don't add, they're kidding. At themselves. that point, right. at that point, if he determines that they've shown him enough, then he almost has to add, right? Right. Instead of just standing. But, you, the worst thing you do is stand pat. But how do you add? That's the question. How do you add? They have they don't have a lot of flexibility to add. That's Maybe again with the goalie. Maybe you ride Nadelkovich down the stretch and some of you get find some veteran out there and you bring back a, a, some, a real player for Jari. Maybe. That's, that's where you would do it, I guess. 
Uh, I'm just I'm looking at all their contracts, and I just don't see. <laughs> I mean, you look at Russ's contract. How are you moving that? Well, he has a no-movement clause, so you would try to entice him if you wanted to move him by saying you want to go somewhere and win a cup. I mean, it might depend on the spot, and he would have to waive it. Right. And he would also know at that point, wow, they don't really want me here, do they? So that would factor into your thinking, maybe, if you had a no-movement clause. I mean, Latang, But that's actually a decent contract, right? Five million for five the next million, three years? Yeah, until 2027. What, what is it? One, four years. Four years. Same thing with Latang, 6.1. I mean, 2027, do you really want to be paying Chris Letang $6.1 million? Well, him, there's just no choice. I'm just... Malkin's the one I'd love for them to try to find a way around here because this is this is alarming, his, his demise, isn't R- it? Right, it is, but the thing about him is he's only signed through 25. 26, right? 25, uh, 26. Yeah, well, yeah, 25, 26. So two more years. Two of more him. years with yeah. him, and then you can be free of him. I'd move him to wing long before that happens. But anyway, the core three. But the, again, th- they're going to be here. Why is there a core four? Why is Carlson in the core four? Who who? When when did he get in? Because he's a Hall of Famer. Would you try to trade him? Absolutely, I would. I don't know. I was trying to. I think he has a no movement clause though. I'm pretty he sure he does. Yeah, full. It's yeah, full no I think movement. He has a full mo- no, so I, but I would go to him and I'd say, listen, we're going to send you to a contender. And then I find a contender that wants him and use that old Buddy Ryan line, take a six-pack, and it doesn't even have to be cold. Yeah, because you have all that money. You get to free up the – listen, we, we got rid of all the bad contracts when we traded for them. Right? We, we got rid of a bunch of contracts people say we'll never be able to get rid of. Right. And we got them. Didn't work out. Now we want the $11.5 million or whatever it is back. 412-928-9370. Paul Zeiss in for the entire day, in for the entire week. Survived a near-death experience <laughs> on Friday. And here he is, live and in the flesh. Four tickets to the 2024 Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center, March 8th through the 17th. Caller number three to our dear friend, Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. Again, that's 928-9370. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates. Personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. And the time right now is 11.19. Time to call Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Why pay 40% when you can pay 25%? Call 888-98-TWINS. Did Skeens pitch today? Do we know? He didn't pitch yet. Are you saying is he scheduled to pitch? Is he scheduled to pitch today? Uh, I'll investigate that. Somebody just got hammered for the Pirates in that game for the second straight day. They're they're getting hammered here. Not that it matters that much. I think that's a replay of yesterday's game, Joe. Oh. Well, that's why. That's why he's <laughs> just so you know. I just, I'm pretty sure that's a replay of yesterday's game. That explains it. Yeah. That's why. Well, we're going to see Termar Johnson. I, I predict we're going to see Termar Johnson hit a homer they play, in his next uh, at bat. They play the Braves today, the Pirates. When is Skeens going to pitch? That's what I want to know. All right. Let's if talk. you're a real degenerate, you can get the Pirates on the money line minus 135. <laughs> Do we know who's on the mound? 
It doesn't say. That's the beauty. Yeah, I look for starting pitchers. There's nothing listed. I want to go to Bradenton again. I went with Colony and Mulsey a few years ago. Is that the famous Colony snoring thing? No, that was in Dallas. Oh. That tape is still somewhere in there. Um, does does Horse still have a file in there, Sean? Yes, he does. I don't have one, but he look, has one. Look under Colony snoring, and we may get that. That was at the Super Bowl in Dallas. I got paired with Jim Colony in a hotel room. And he, I don't know if he has a deviated septum or what his problem is, Paul, but he uh, <laughs> he snored like like it was a chainsaw. Like it was, it was something that needed immediate medical attention. I don't know how he slept for the whole night. So I walked over there and taped it just so he could hear it and maybe get himself some help. We'll get that eventually. You were, you were very, very nice. That's good. Yeah. I Just trying to help. Time, by the way, brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Why pay 40% when you can pay 25%? Call 888-98-TWINS. I want to tell you about Gina G and Petro, and I'm going to do that right now. You and so many others have heard me bring up Gina's name, how well-known she is, and her clients and all their testimonies, like Mary. Mary says Gina and her team are the best she's ever worked with. She just sold her home in the North Hills to move to another state. Gina's marketing plan brought so much attention to Mary's home. That was the key. She got offers right away, says the GM Petro team made the whole process really easy, managed everything seamlessly. Now she's recommending Gina and her team to everyone she knows. Gina will sit down with you, agree on a price and a deadline. Deadline passes, home isn't sold. Gina will have it bought and turned into a rental. You can't lose. Call the only agent I would trust if I needed to sell my home in Pittsburgh. Gina Giampietro of Remax Select Realty. Call Gina, 724-602-9752. Google Giampietro of Remax Select Realty and look up GinaWillSellYourHome.com. That's GinaWillSellYourHome.com. By the way, Mike Tomlin. Yes. The Barrows general manager, Ryan Pools, is right here being interviewed. He says if, if we decide to draft Caleb Williams, it's not it would not be uh, he doesn't think it, he thinks it would be not right to trade Justin Fields. Not right. What is, what's that supposed to mean? It would be re- <clears throat> ridiculous to have both on the same well, that, team. Well, no, that's it? what he's saying. He's saying if, <clears throat> if they draft a quarterback, they're going to trade Justin. Oh, Hill. okay. I misunderstood that. And yeah, I, it, I it, apologize it's, to it's him worded, and you. It's worded really weird. Well, what do you think they will do? And what do you think they should do? <clears throat> the Bears with Justin Fields and those other quarterbacks. Right, fire their coaching staff. Bring in a new coaching staff. And see if they what they have in Justin Fields. But I would trade him for reasons you a, said I'm, earlier. I'm not a big fan of Caleb Williams. That's my problem. What about Drake May? Not a fan of him either. I I would think I would take a shot at the kid from LSU. But if you pick him first, you get absolutely lambasted. Well, here's the thing: you're going to have to pay Justin Fields. That's the problem. Right. You're three years in, and you don't really know about him. And now you have this golden is, chance. Right. So, do you take the chance, or do you keep Fields, knowing you're going to have to pay him? I would have fired the coaching staff. Me too. 
and I would have brought in a new coaching staff, an offensive coaching staff, you know, a really good offensive coaching staff, and said, let's see what happens. Well, let's bring in the general who was kind enough to call. Paul brought up this story earlier. Hockey cards found in Western Canada, uh, unopened. Uh, they, a family turned an unopened case of hockey cards into a multi-million dollar profit. Over the, I'm just reading from the story. Over the past month, serious hockey card collectors were in a bidding war on the Heritage Auctions website for an unopened case of 1979-80 Opeachy hockey cards that this family found in their basement. The winning bid came in at, at, at 3.7 U.S. money or more than 5 million Canadian. This is unbelievable. General, welcome aboard. Paul, why don't you conduct this? You were the one uh, uh, who brought this up. Have you ever met the general? Uh, Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. In fact, there's people on the text line, Joe, that are surmising that the reason it took us so long to get in touch with him just because he was finishing uh, moving the money around because he's the one that bought <laughs> the, 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 the $3.7 million box. First of all, the Opeachy hockey cards, is that is that something that we should be familiar with? Is that Are they uh, real rare or something? Great question. <clears throat> Topps owned Opeachy. It was a bilingual reproduction of a Topps card. So Topps is manufactured, in obviously, in the United States. In order to service the Canadian market, which is huge in Quebec, the cards are bilingual. So they're printed on a little bit different stock, but it's the exact same picture. For example, Mario has a Topps rookie card and a Peachy rookie card because Quebec is a smaller market than the whole United States, even though hockey's bigger there than here. Topps produces probably 20 to 1 the amount of Topps cards as they did a Peachy. So that being said, it's a much, much more rare card. By general, of course, I mean Jeff Patton from the baseball card castle in Cranberry. And before Paul resumes, talk to me like I'm eight. I, I just, I don't understand any of this. What has happened here? What, why is this, what did these people find and why are other people so interested in it? And I admit I'm not very smart. I just don't understand any of these card stories that pop up. No, you're smarter than you think. And this actually goes back to the original articles you wrote during COVID. Just imagine going back to the convenience store when you were eight years old and buying a pack of cards. Every pack that's opened is one less that's sealed. I know that seems elementary, but they're all getting opened, right? So the treasure here is how many of those could be left still in their form. Additionally, 1979-80 is Gretzky's first card. So it's, it's the card going all the way back to Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr's rookie was in 1965. After Bobby Orr, it's, it's Gretzky. That's the best card that's in the market now. So these cards remained. Someone somewhere put a case of these things away, probably forgot about them. That's before people were thinking about investing. And, man, if you were investing at that point, you were really shrewd because a box would have been about $12 a box at the time. And talk about a good investment. Or somebody put it away and just cashed in. Are so they the positive a Gretzky rookie card is in one of these unopened packs? And is, is the allure to have the packs and open them and discover it? Well, so there's layers here. There's a pack, <laughs> then there's a box, then there's a case. So, like, your convenience store opened up a box and there'd be 48 packs in there. Somewhere in there probably is a Gretzky card. But when you get the entire box, there's a good chance. When you get the entire case, you're going to get multiples. And here's where the exponential dynamic comes into play. When you started writing articles about the Luka Doncic cards that were going for $4 million during COVID, 
what someone who's paying for that card, that product is thinking is those are going to be in gradable condition because no human hands has ever touched them. They've been inside of that packaging since 1979 when they were produced and immediately put into the boxes. So someone somewhere is hoping that those cards are in impeccable condition. Now, there's one other dynamic from a retail component without getting too deep into the weeds. It's easier to sell something when there's 48 packs. People might take a chance and say, oh, I'll pay 500 bucks for one shot to get a Gretzky. So when you're, when you're selling those by the box, it, it adds up exponentially. It'd be like the Pirates give you a discount for buying a season ticket. They're cheaper than if you bought 181 individual tickets. That's well, the component. Well, the thing is, it's interesting if you read the story, the people that are buying these are not likely to open them because they they believe the value is in them not being opened. Right. So people ask me this question all the time, Mr. Zeiss, and they say, should I keep this closed? And my line is always this. You can always open it later. You can never put it back together. Right. So even if you're after the hunt, you could always <laughs> open it 10 years from now. But you can't, once you open it, you can't put it back together. All right. I'm eight years old again. <laughs> How do they find what? <laughs> so when do we find out if the Gretzky card is there or do they want to resell it unopened? Is that why so they what, bought it? There could be either. There are people that um, I know someone who sold a bunch of cards to a major league baseball owner. He spent thousands. It's not important which one it is, but he wanted the thrill of opening boxes from the 1960s. And he paid thousands of dollars just to be back in his childhood to open up packs from 1968. And look, oh, look, there's a Clemente. There's a Willie Mays. There is that angle. People are collectors. Because you got to understand, people that are paying that much, they're under the assumption that those cards are going to be in perfect condition because no human hands has ever touched them. That's the allure. Truthfully, unless you it's, – it's like every premise of gambling, right? Everybody – they don't build $2 billion casinos and pay cash because everybody's winning. I mean, if you're opening <laughs> those packs – but you're never going to see the if if I if I if I did this if I bought if I if I bought this what is it a box or case well, if this, I bought this, this case, case. Mm-hmm. of hockey cards for for five million dollars mm-hmm. I would have bought it to open them and see the Gretzky card for the thrill of it or to resell it what why would I why would I buy them and then not open them because I wanted huh. to make even more. Correct. Yeah, I'm okay. going to say that someone's buying that like they would buy gold bullion, right? Like you put an ounce of gold in your safe, and you don't get any intrinsic value out of it other than you're saying it's going to be worth more someday. Do you understand that this, yeah, Paul? Yeah, so basically what you're saying is the people that bought this are probably not card collectors, per se. They're probably investors. Some combination thereof, I would say. Correct. Yeah. Because that, Nobody uh, invests uh, in this stuff that doesn't have some allure to the hobby itself because there has to be a draw to it in order for you to put that kind of money into this investment vehicle because it's not quite as liquid. It's more liquid than it was 10 years ago because of the Internet. But the liquidity is not the same when when you can call your broker, Joe, and just say, hey, sell off 200 shares. I need some cash. There is liquidity because of the Internet, but not quite like a regular traditional investment. I'm still I still go back to Joe's question, though. At some point, doesn't somebody somewhere have to verify there's actually Gretzky cards in this? No, the the case would be sealed. I mean, it's been inspected. They they've never been opened. They're in there. They're in there. 
I have a dumb question. Anything that's been sitting around in somebody's basement or attic since 1979, even if it's mm -hmm. even if it's sealed, there's chances it could be damaged somehow or not in mint condition, right? It, yeah, you, the the first I always smell things, right? Because I can tell whether what part of the house they were stored in. Because cardboard has this tendency to suck water, and um, it, it must have been stored somewhere on the first floor. Typically, the best place would be above where your wife hangs your shirts. That cool, dry place that's in your closet. Um, there, there are horror stories though. I bought a box of 1982 OPG a couple of years ago. There's a piece of gum in every single pack. Sometimes the gum, if it, if the box was stored in extreme heat, the gum would have liquefied at some point oh. and created an oil that leaks onto the card. That would make you sick. It's another reason to keep the case closed, right, is to perpetuate what might be in there. Sometimes what might be in there, it, it would be akin to um, rebuilding a baseball team, and sometimes the prospects are more fun because they haven't done anything yet. Sometimes the allure is more valuable than the actual concept. All right, General. So clearly, the, that Gretzky card is the holy grail of hockey. Is there a holy grail in all of sports right now? What's the most oh, expensive card that yeah. everybody wants? Oh, yeah, there is. And actually, it's sort of, um, there's a line of demarcation. There's, to me, the holy grail connotates vintage, like old, the Hannes Wagner T206. But there are new holy grails because there's so many young kids that are into this. And the more liquid things are current players. Like there's more action on the guys that are playing now because there's more of a stock market connotation. Yeah. Whereas the, the vintage stuff would be like buying a savings bond. And the modern stuff would be like buying a, a stock because it's actually interactive. So when the player continues to have a great day or does something crazy, you wouldn't believe how many people – lost their shirts on Wander Franco's charges, right? Like, because now who wants to buy that product? So there are different things. That's to me why it's two separate conversations. Mickey Mantle's never going to do anything to besmirch the value of his cards. Well, that's the thing. So, like, when when Wayne Gretzky, you know, God, you know, hopefully it's a long, long time from now, but when he were to, say, pass away, mm -hmm. what that would probably do wonders for the value of this. I mean, they could probably get even more for this box, right, than the 3.7. Ironically, that has very little to do. It creates a spark initially because while they're running all the montages in regards to the guy's career, people go, Here, here's a good example. When The Last Dance came out, even though it didn't have anything, thankfully, to do with Jordan's demise, people said, oh, man, I should get a Jordan rookie. I knew I wanted to get that. So when all the media coverage, the the – the passing away connotation is more prevalent vis-a-vis -vis autographs because they can't sign anymore with a card or piece of memorabilia. They can continue to produce those things. Um, so it really is more relevant in regards to an autograph than it is the card, but you're on the right track because it does create a spark for people. Cause the other part of it, that would be what if these people got Wayne Gretzky to sign the, the box It's a creative idea. I'm just wondering, would that add or, or would it yeah. would it subtract? It would add, in my mind, a lot of people would say it would subtract. Um, I would just, when you're spending $5 million, don't do anything to risk. The, the downside risk is greater than the upside reward. His autograph's worth a few hundred bucks, which is cool. I wouldn't play with it. So I'd put, I'd put it inside of a safe and leave it there. So what is the most valuable 
sports card on the planet right now? Who? Who is it? That the Honus Wagner T206 tobacco card still seems to be the one that brings the most money. They go for depending on the quality, and they're not even great because there's only 40 to 50 known to exist. Interestingly, <laughs> most of them reside here because he was Carnegie, and the legend was he hated tobacco and he recalled the cards. I think that may be an urban myth. A lot of it had to do with him not getting remunerated for that. But he got possession of a lot of those cards, so a lot of them are around western Pennsylvania. But there's only like 40 known to exist. And once someone has enough money to put that in their collection, it probably isn't coming out. Thank you, General, for taking oh, the time welcome. today. That was fascinating. No I'm, uh, I'm trying uh, to absorb it all. Yeah, that, that, thank you so much. That, was, that actually explained a lot. So, is he is he is he gone? I think he's gone. Uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Joe. Have you ever watched Pawn Stars? Yes. I watch it religiously. Yeah. Watch it hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And that's why he wasn't really speaking a completely a foreign language to me, because I've seen a lot of these situations, like for instance, when someone has one of these like Holy Grail Pokemon cards. Yeah. And it's not, and it's either still in the box, right? or whatever, for some reason it's worth more. Video games that have never been, you don't even know if the, you don't even know if, the, you know what I mean? Like it's like you have the box that's sealed of some video game that is like some way outlier that's worth, you right. know, the hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, how do they know that someone didn't just put like a, a, a disc that isn't actually the game and it's just basically a sealed box? But I, you're buying, you're buying the idea as a collector. You're buying the idea right, that as you an have investment. this. You have this holy grail mm -hmm. that nobody else has, or whatever. So yeah. it makes sense to me. It actually does make sense. Why, if you're an investor, you wouldn't want to break up the box. You yeah, know? that makes sense. I do get like that. Like, how part. much is the rookie? How much is the? Did he say how much the actual rookie card is worth? No. Not that I heard. Did you hear that, Sean? I don't. I don't think um, so. Me, My question is, if it's a case, how many cards potentially are you getting? Ten thousand. Well, he said There's multiple 10, Gretzkys. What's on with the Gretzky? I'm wondering, are you getting ten of them? Are you getting a hundred of them? Well, there's ten thousand five hundred cards in that big case, and they estimate that you're probably going to have between twenty and twenty-five Gretzkys. I thought some of my cards would be valuable, even though they were nicked up. I had a Wilt Chamberlain. San Diego Conquistadors card. I had those Harlem Globetrotter cards. <laughs> they were all messed up. And I took them to a card dealer. And he's like, no, most of these are reprints or they're not the original, whatever they are. And they're also in, okay. in horrible shape. You can get cards graded now. And so they'll say, yes. this is a 10, this is a 9, things of that nature. And that changes the value drastically. So here it goes. Yeah. Here it goes. In... This one that I looked up, it's graded at 9.5. This Wayne Gretzky rookie card, Okapichi or whatever the hell it is. OPG or whatever the hell, right? It's graded at 9.5, which means it's pretty much almost perfect. Yeah. How much do you think it is, is retailing for? 500000 No. I'm going to guess way less than that. Yeah, way less than that. 10000 200000 Jeez. 200,000. But here's the interesting thing. There's ones that are graded like a two. Here's a two. Here's a one point something. So they're not graded nearly as, as high. 
This one, I mean, you can get this one that's upgraded as a two. You can get it for twelve hundred bucks. We well, should invest in this. But my, my point is here, so what I'm trying to say is if you assume that these are all in mint condition because they've never been opened and never been, you know, if you assume that, let's say you could get 200000 for it times 20. What's 200000 times 20? $4 million. Let's do it. I'm just saying that's $4 million. I know. They paid 3.7. Now it makes sense. I don't think the general spoke to this, but my understanding is that even if it's been untouched, it's not guaranteed to be a nine and a half or a 10. No, it's not. I think a lot of it sometimes it's just how it comes off the printer. Well, there's that, but there's also, there's no other scratches. There's no other fingerprints. There's no other, you know, there's no other damage. There's no, the corners are still perfect. I mean, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. My point is you, he just, he, the one thing he did say is you assume that if it's never been, touched and never seen air you assume that it's going to be in pristine condition you know it's the same thing with um comic books which is yeah. why comic books that have never been unsealed or opened you know even though you don't know what the inside the pages i mean the pages could be all running and all you assume if it's never been opened and if all the corners are correct and everything else it, it's going to be graded higher and it's going to be worth more money so but my thing is, so 48 boxes, I think, is what this comes out to, right? I don't know. I lo I, I blacked out I in the middle of him it's, talking. It's a case. Uh, cardboard. We'll get uh, 48 packs. 10,700 cards. So 48 packs. Right? Which means you have a one in two chance. A one in two chance of getting, assuming there's 24. Gretzky cards. You could make a game out of it and say $200,000 a pack. I'm lost again. I'm saying if you were the, if you were the investor and you wanted to try and really make cash in quickly from collectors, right. You get $200,000 a pack. <laughs> I get that part of it. Right. Yeah. And if if you if you sell 48 packs, what is that going to come out to? It's got to be what eight, nine million bucks. Enough to feed Ron Beer Habit for one <laughs> exactly. year. Exactly. Can I tell you a secret? Go ahead. You said that you monitor the food out here. You're in a seat now where you can see because yeah. all the food goes on our yeah. little uh, ledge there, right outside the window. You would notice walking by. You would. You have like a habit of shutting all the donut boxes, yep. the pizza boxes. Do you know who would open them? Who? Ron. Why? To see you come back and shut them again. So he was just doing that to mess with me. <laughs> exactly, huh? yes. And then we would watch you come back and shut them all. Right. Every single time. But this was fun or something? It was fun. It was kind of fun. Because sometimes it would happen within seconds. Because I have OCD? You think do you have, it, do, is that, do you have? I'm a, I, apparently I do. That's what everyone around here tells me. I was like, no, I just don't like food that's sitting around. That's that you know like like if you don't get that food that right now you know what I mean if you don't get that in the first ten minutes because there's no covers on it yeah I call that trough eating right <laughs> that's how you get botulism <laughs> seriously like I wouldn't touch that now it's been it's been sitting out for you know forty minutes you got to get in the first ten minutes that that food over there my my thing with the you know 
and here and maybe this is where it stems from, okay? So I used to do the night show here. Right. S- six oh, o'clock. That's when you, the the food right? that's like So I'd come in six o'clock, need a little pick me up. Hey, there's some donuts sitting here. And then I'd pick it up, it'd be like a hockey puck. Right. Or, you know, I would come walking in and there would be, you know, they, they had like meatballs or something. There'd be three meatballs left and they'd be like uh, uh, stuck to the bottom of the plate. I <laughs> With could, a cigarette right, butt. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? At the, 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 the bottom of the, the, it's like, what are these pigs all day long? What do they do here? They're like vultures. You know, and then, and then of course, there's all the debris in front, you know, because we can't just... Scoop it off and put it on a plate. People like it's like their last meal or something. If so they, they don't do it, it in a hurry, it'll get taken away. Exactly. Yeah. So there's food all over the place. There's sauces all over the the, the the counter there and this and that. I just say, so when I started working during the day, I said I'm going to be a part of the solution and preserve, not it. the problem. Yeah. And hopefully, people will learn from me that if you put the lids back on. Close the boxes back up, right? Don't act like it's your last meal that you you know, or 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 that it's your first meal in three weeks, which some people do, right? Like there's days when I you know, and and I'm obviously right down the hallway here. All the food is here, but everyone had to walk past my studio over there. There would be people that were running, pushing people over to get in first in line for the pizzas. And, and you like, never suspected Ron was the guy, did you? No, I just thought it was his pigs. Yeah, well. Because when I would come in at 6 o'clock, I would always find food that was opened, food that was stale, right? Food that was hard, sauces that had crystallized and started growing bacterias, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's one of those things where I I just assumed it was everybody. But like I said, if you don't cover food, like, after about 10, 15 minutes, I'm done with it. Believe me, I know. It's like, that's the kind of stuff you, I think you about. Get, you get, I'm, I'm telling you, that's how you end up with botulism. Coming up, Jay Caulfield, top of the hour. Let's ask him about some of these Penguins trade candidates, about the game tonight in Vancouver against his buddy Rick Tockett. All kinds of things to talk about. Larry Richard is once again hosting the Feed the Need Variety Show to raise funds for our Giant Eagle Feed the Need Radiothon. This Friday night, Oaks Theater in Oakmont, 7.30 p.m. Performances from Kiki, from myself, from Alista and Bubba. Tickets available now at 937thefan.com. All proceeds going to the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. And you can donate now because the Giant Eagle Feed the Need to benefit Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank is Tuesday, March 26th. But... It's always happening, really, uh, the, the need for it and your ability to help out. So you can donate now at 937thefan.com or text NEED, N-E-E-D, to 50155. Brought to you by Pittsburgh Regional Transit, Wiggle Whiskey, Hampton, Hampton Beer Outlet, Bill Few Associates Wealth Management, and Spitzer Toyota. Parents are telling Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank they're skipping meals so their kids can eat. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. And the hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. So, yes, let's talk to Jay Caulfield. I have some great 
Uh, mailbag questions for Paul coming up. A lot of Steeler quarterback-related stuff, as you might imagine. The weather has taken a turn for the worse. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Warm but rainy and a high of 61. All right. I've told you about my feet, my poor little feet. That's what I used to think about them. The joints of my big toes, painful whenever I would try to exert myself in a sport, exercise, even walking after a golf ball, that's what would flare up. Everybody seems to have something different. Might be plastic. Uh, how do you say this again? Oh, plantar fasciitis. I should have listened to the old Cubs manager talking about that. Needles in your heel. Maybe pain and burning in the balls of your feet. It's discouraging. When you want to try a new program, things like that, exercise, whatever, that's the best word I can think of. Discouraging to have foot pain. Yeah, yeah, maybe I don't want to do this. Forget it. Don't forget it. Try the Good Feet Store. It's worked for me. It could work for you. They have an arch support system. Customized. Designed to provide pain relief, balance, comfort. Goes into your shoes. You don't need special shoes. And I immediately started feeling like pain wasn't shooting through the joints of my big toes. It felt like it was more, the, the impact was more dispersed through the arch system. Worked for me. Can work for you. Robinson Town Center across from Ikea. Cranberry Township on Route 19 next to Walgreens. Uh, Morgantown in the Suncrest Town Center. Or you can check them out at goodfeet.com. Come on in and try the Good Feet feeling today. What a treat we have here. Jay Caulfield slightly delayed, but our luck is that Lou Yetzi, Shaler's very own, 28 years old, and it all came back to me when I saw him standing outside the studio here that I was calling the Shooters Golf Hole-in-One contest, I don't know, about, what, two months ago maybe? About two months ago. And there was Lou Yetzi, Paul, and Paul's ice in for the whole yes. week this week. And he started cold, and then this dude caught fire. And he won, and what he won from Shooters was plane ride, hotel t- hotel, and tickets to the Super Bowl. That's where he just was, Paul. Where 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 did you stay out there? In the- I stayed at the Harris. Okay. So it was – I was – I was making sure it wasn't okay. You're you're staying at some, you know, some West Side motel. Mark, that was beautiful. Mark good. B would Mark B would never do that from Shooters. <laughs> Only so the best. That's really good. So Did you, you drink beer there? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you enjoy it? Uh, the game itself. Yes, it was unbelievable. At first, I was scared that it was going slow, but you know, towards the end, it was just it was incredible. Let's put it that way. And Crankley, he used that? your word. Yeah. Yes, he did. I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing about the Super Bowl <laughs> is all the other stuff that's going on around the Super Bowl. The parties. The, even when you just go into, like, casinos or restaurants or bars in the city. Yeah. The, for for a week, it's 100% about the, the, the game itself. The game is almost secondary to everything yeah. going on, right? I would say that. You got the halftime show, right? The pregame stuff. I mean, there's so much that goes on. It's almost like the game is 
sort of, okay, yeah, well, it's we, like, we got to play this game, Yeah, too. right. There's a game on Sunday. We might as well go to that, too. When did you get there? I During got there the week? Friday. Friday. Friday morning. Friday morning. So you had a full day and night. Did you lose any money that night? No, I actually didn't. Did you win money? I beat Vegas the first night. I will say that. Did you beat Vegas the whole weekend? Uh, yeah, because I stopped. I wanted to make sure I beat them. Here, here's my question to you. Because I know the answer if it would have been me. So you got there Friday about what time? About 9.30 in the morning. Okay, so you got there Friday at 9.30 in the morning. At what point did you first actually lay down in your hotel room? Uh, about 2.30 in the morning Saturday. Okay. Sounds reasonable. No. Went right to the <clears throat> casino? Here's uh, my thing. If I won that contest, I, I would have told shooters, I said, listen, whatever you're paying for the hotel, just give me the money because I ain't going to need it. Because <laughs> I'd show up at 9.30, right, uh, in the morning on Friday, like when the Steelers played in Detroit. Yeah. True story. Steelers played in Detroit in the Super Bowl. I had to cover it. I got there Saturday the week before because I had to be there for eight days. The first night I slept in my hotel room was Wednesday. Where'd you sleep? I didn't. I was at the Motor City Casino every single night. Taking, you never went to bed. I went no, went to went went back. I had a cab waiting for me in the morning. Took me to the Motor City. Or, took me back to the hotel. I took a quick shower. Got back in the cab. Went down to the center where all of the interviews and all the stuff was going on. As soon as I wrote my stories and Mecco said, "Hey, you're done." Boom! Back to the Motor City Casino. Wow. Till about seven in the morning, seven thirty in the morning. Finally, Wednesday, I hit the wall. I was like, "Okay, I can't do this anymore. I, I need to sleep." What a performance! So I slept. And then Thursday morning got up. The next time I slept was when it was like Sunday morning. I figured since I had to cover the game. So I got back to my hotel room at like 6 in the morning Sunday. Slept to about 1. That was my extent of my sleeping in Detroit that week. You should have pulled one of those, Lou. <laughs> I don't think I could. I was younger, much younger at the time. Well, Lou's only 28, but this was awesome. I, mean, I was there the night that you were doing the holes in one, and, and you said to get to that event, you had to make little chip shots into a regular golf hole. Now, was- now, when we got to the actual event, it was like the size. You had to hit it, what, like, I don't know, some of them felt like 70, 75 yards, 100 yards into the size of a basketball hoop, right? Yeah, so to get there, the hole was about 65, 75 yards out to a regular size hole, like it would be on a course. Yeah. Um, And then the competition, it came down to, I want to say about 50-yard chips yeah. to like a basketball size. And, and you were unbelievable. Our next guest, Jay Caulfield, coming on, Stanley Cup champion. Not a bad golfer himself, but I don't know if he could do that. So – you said in, when we were talking earlier that it was easier for you to hit it into the actual golf hole than when the contest happened. I guess they had like a bigger hole or something. Yeah, and yeah. Why was it easier for you to hit the smaller one than the bigger one? I think for months I've just been going to practice there um, and shooting at the same spot over and over again. Yeah. That made it easier. So when we moved it down, I wasn't ready for it being about 50 yards out. And, uh, I mean, everyone was struggling that towards the end because no one was ready for that. Um, but you but, hit the money shots. I was yeah. there for it. At I, the beginning, I started How far was the shot now? 
uh, for the contest. It was about 50 yards. 50 yards, and he was drilling them like Steph Curry at the free throw. Wow. Line. But why aren't you better at golf overall? What's your handicap, and do you want to play with Jay and Mario and I? Uh, I would love <laughs> to, but I don't want to embarrass myself. Um, I just started golfing, I want to say for now five years. I started getting better. Um, but then I went to shooters for that hole one. So I've been focused just on the hole one. Right. So all my swings are just geared for, for the hole in one. Exactly. Exactly. Well, man, congratulations. And I'm glad you had a great time. And thanks for coming all the way down here, Lou. That's Lou Yetzi from Shaler. Uh, and that's shooters golf, which is an awesome place. As we know, uh, Mark, the owner is my friend and I go there a lot and work on my game. You can hit real balls. As far as you can hit them, and the place is perfectly manicured. And we'll see what they have going for their next contest. They actually have it out. What is uh, it? It is a seven-day trip, I believe, to Aruba. The same contest. Oh, my God. This Zeiss show is led with this. <laughs> Paul just perked when, up. When is this? Uh, I believe the contest will be same time in November. That's Paul's favorite place on earth, seven uh, days in Aruba? I believe it's seven days. I have to check the email again. Uh, they're still the juniors. The juniors still get a, uh, a prize. I'm not sure what that is, obviously. Holy horse milk. But, seven right. days in Aruba yes. for hole-in-one. Yes. Paul will be there. Just now, pretend you I might don't be work there for every the night. I yeah. might be there every day for the next you know, six months practicing to try and win this. We'll get the details on that for sure. Thank Absolutely. you, Lou. Yeah, I want to say thank you to you guys. Thank you to Mark and Shooters. It was a wonderful time. Awesome. I was happy to be part of it that night, and I'm glad you had a great time. That's Lou Yetzi. Thanks, man. Thank you. Stick around for the rest of the segment and listen to Jay Caulfield. Put on those headphones over there, if you would. And let's go to the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. Jay, did you get a load of that? This Lou Yetzi from Shaler hitting holes in one left and right, and he winds up at the Super Bowl. I did. What an outstanding story. What a great job by Lou. And certainly Mark Baranowski knows how to run a business. He does. He's the greatest. He's the most creative. Uh, he just knows what he's doing. But Lou, to do that and experience the Super Bowl in Vegas, I'm sure it gets any better than that. So congratulations. Yeah, I don't think it does get better than that. How are you in your chipping game? Pretty good. What? Yeah, I imagine your strength would be your driver. Am I right about that? No, it's right. No, I'm not bad. I'm not bad from inside of uh, you know that range. That's a pretty good range. I you know. I work on that too. I think it, you should work on that, Joe. I think all the guys that are the great players are not only are they great with their their long game, but their irons. But their short game is out is always outstanding. So. Lou did there. That's pretty. That's a big part of the game, and I try and work on that part a lot. Like from 80 yards in, something like that, like those little half shots or yes. little wedges, and it's a big part of the game. All right, Jay. Let's move on to hockey, and the Penguins are in Vancouver tonight against your old buddy Rick Tockett. What do you make of the Canucks so yeah. far, and and how do you like the Penguins' chances uh, to at least at least split this four-game trip. And you know what? If you win the two at home before the trip, the two at home after the trip before the trade deadline, and you split, well, that's six and two. So I, I guess I'm looking at a split would be okay yeah. here. You? Yeah. I, I look, I, when the Penguins win, look, have, have we been on saying this, Joe, if I look at the, when you look at the standings, and maybe the wild card is not the way to look. It's maybe looking at third place in the division because Philly's in that spot. And... I'm just not. I've been feeling all along. How long are they going to maintain? They play the game hard, though. They come. They they. The work ethic is there for Philly, but 
are they going to be able to maintain that third spot? I think that's almost the target. Like, it's almost like your focus can go to that. And everybody's talking about a wild card, but I kind of think third place in the division is going to be where they could end up. And if they can do the numbers that you just talked about, then I think they're going to be. I, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to make it anyway. I just do, and I, I've never felt came off that mark. But it's difficult with the guys that are out. But this game tonight against Vancouver is a way to start it. And the Penguins sometimes have a way of winning. You know, when the, when the chips are down, and I think Crosby's just been doing it all year long. I just wouldn't count them out on anything. The goaltending is such a big part of it. See what we get tonight with Jari. I'm assuming it'd be Jari. I, I bet it would be Jari. So if they can do the numbers and get themselves in good good position, I think that third place in the division should be the target. Do you think that uh, the Brian Rust injury will provide will, will 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 be something they've got to try and overcome? Obviously, but how significant will it be yep. if they have to play all four of these games without him? And apparently, he's not on the trip. So I'm assuming that's going to be the case. Yeah, Paul, I think it's a difficult thing because he brings a. Not only the ability to finish and score and be on the top line with Crosby, but it's his—it's the intensity that he brings. Every shift, he's hard on, hard to play against, hard on pucks. He creates openings for that first line. So I do think it's going to be difficult without him and get he and Gensel. I know Gensel's on the trip, but I don't expect him to be playing. I'm, I'm not sure how. I'm not even sure the depth of the injuries, but just without them on this trip makes it difficult. But at the same time, Paul. It opens up something for this might be Riley Smith. This is a huge, huge moment for the Penguins and Riley Smith. He's going to have an opportunity to be on Crosby's line with Raquel is what it looks like right now. And he could turn everything right around right now and be a huge part of that first line and make something happen and be a difference maker right now. And it's going to be it. So somebody goes down and somebody's opportunity to kind of flourish. And let's hope it's Riley Smith. But, Paul, I do think it's difficult without them. But, again, Sidney Crosby, it doesn't care. It doesn't matter. Whoever he's with, he goes out there, makes them better, and his line is still dominating. So I expect to see the same thing tonight. But it certainly will be. It's much more difficult without those guys in the lineup and uh, them with. The Jay Caulfield Show brought to you by McVeigh Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Jay, we lost you there for a moment. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. I'm back here, Joe. Yep. I'm hopefully in a good spot. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Tristan Jari, yeah. his name has come up a little bit here in trade rumors. Obviously, the allure here would be you have a goalie in his prime signed to a decent deal. You have a younger kid coming up through Wilkes-Barre. So I would imagine this is a tricky little situation for Kyle Dubas because he's also young <laughs> and good, so you might want him on your team. How do you view that situation? Would you consider dealing Jari? Yeah, I'm going to go with the idea that this next couple games and where you're at by the trade deadline is going to be a key part to that, right? So, listen, you've, you've got a goaltender that's, you know, top 10, and he's at a good number. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, obviously it depends. You know, if a guy's great in the American League, that doesn't always transfer to the National Hockey League. Right, so but you know you've got one coming up and blooming blooming in the American League. You certainly could look that way, but it's it's gonna be the it's gonna be where where are they at and how are you able to build what assets did you have to bring back better assets, right? Something that's gonna help you. I think if they're on a little bit of a run and they look like they're you know, have a chance to solidify a position, I I don't move I'm not touching my goaltender because 
the reason why they're where they're at right now is because they're goaltending. So I'd be very careful with that, Joe. Uh, but you have him at a good number. If he continues to perform like that, you've got a steal of your, in your goaltender with Tristan Jari. That's how I look at it. You look at, uh, you look at we were talking a little bit earlier about the guys on the bottom six and the fact that they yeah. don't get a lot out of them. But if, if, if say, they go the 6-2, and two, like Joe said, or 7-1, and one, and now you're looking at a team that is going to make a playoff push – what is really yeah. what are really the chips that you have to try and improve? Yeah. That's I think that's the toughest thing that Cal Dubas has. It's not it's easy to sell. Yeah. But if he's asked to buy, what what do they really have to, to be able to buy? Yeah, I think you're asked I mean that is the difficult part right now. I mean, how what are you gonna do? Like what I mean to me it's it's Riley Smith, it's Raquel, guys that people know you know, the number there, I mean, if Raquel has his normal year, he's, he's a bargain at his number, right? But he's not having his normal year, but he can somewhere else or whatever it might be. I mean, if you're looking at players that are going to bring you something back, you have to look at, you're looking at Riley Smith, Raquel, that kind of thing. Pedersen, which he's at a great number for what he is. So I'm not touching any of that, Paul, but, and we know Gensel, that's that whole story, what that means, that's going to bring you back the biggest haul. But you, you also don't find what he brings and does, but it's all about the numbers across the board, Paul, and what can you move? I know the bottom six has uh, been a spotlight and always talked about it. The numbers haven't been there, but uh, if they do get themselves on a run, I think every GM will say, hey, we got to make some move to just bolster us any way we can. I think that's why Kyle Dubas has been active on the waiver wire, but I agree. There's not much. You know, there's a lot of guys with no trade clauses, too. So there's a lot that plays into it other than just say, I'm going to move a player they have, they have things in their contract that you can't. So I, I think it's difficult for Kyle Dubas right here. It really is. And Jake Gensel is that one piece. You can't lose him. You can't let him go to free agency. You know, something's got to be done way or, one way or another. Either it's a deal that, you know, Jake Gensel can hit the, the mother load right now. This is his one opportunity to get a big, big deal. And the, and the last one. So for, when you look at his age. So I think it's very difficult for Kyle Dubas. And the pieces that we're talking about are pieces that you want to have in place when you start winning. So I, I, that's why I find it tough. I find it difficult. Jay Caulfield on the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. Uh, you can listen to this show every Wednesday to hear about Starkey's Card of the Week from the Baseball Card Castle and Cranberry Contest run every Wednesday through Friday at noon at the 93.7thefan.com contesting page. So, Jay, uh, it just seems like the best way to the playoffs right now I know Tampa struggled. I think Tampa's going to get there. I think Vasilevsky's going to turn yeah. things around. I think Detroit is looking like they're going to get there. I think you got to move past yeah. move past the teams in your division and catch Philly. Is that the way you look at it? Yeah, that's yeah, that's how I, just a few minutes ago. That's what I feel. Your eyes should be on third place in the division. You're what? What are they? Seven points behind Philly? Six, six seven, or eight? Yeah. And you've got five games in hand. Five games in hand. You've got the out. Now, listen, the Islanders won a big game last night, but the Penguins have games in hand on all of them. I'm not, I'm not sold on the teams that are, you know, fighting for it. If the Penguins continue to get their, their goaltending, I look at the same way, Joe. I, my, my eyes turn right to the third place in, in, the, in the division. That's how you're going to find yourself, and that's how you're going to get yourself in. Because I do think Toronto, I mean, I do think Tampa, Detroit, most of the better, the better numbers are coming from the other division. So, yep, I'm looking right at Philly right now. The, the bullseye's on Philly. 
And I think the other teams think the same thing. The other teams that are in that hunt are thinking the same thing. They're looking at they can overtake Philly. You think part of that is because of the goalie situation, right? I mean, as we saw the other night, yeah. <laughs> their third-string guy, yeah. who's now their second-string guy, ain't very good. No, it was, it was a bad outing for him, right? Bad outing for they, Phil, the Flyers. If you're going back to Philly, you know, you're looking at it and going, hey, we, we need to upgrade that because we know the Carter Hart situation, what that ends up turning this into. Ersan's been a great surprise for them, but their backup goaltender, he can't, and it's going to be busy down the stretch. So they, they need something there. I also think, though, if you heard, I mean, there's, there's two defensemen, Sealer and Ward. I, they, they're talking about moving them as a pair. If they move them as a pair, I don't know what the Philly faithful will be like in Philadelphia. If you move one of your – it's their second pair. They're the only plus guys on the, on, on, on the back end, and there's a chance that they move them both. They play really well together, and I heard it's almost like a package deal. If that happens, they're almost saying, we don't want to be in this year. We want – that's what it looks like to me if, you, if they do that. But, I, I, again, I do. The goaltending thing, it was a killer for Philadelphia the other night. And uh, it'll break any team down, Paul. And uh, if they don't adjust that or get better, I think they're gonna teams are gonna climb right over top of them. Even though they play the game, John Tortorella has been announced. He's the perfect coach for that lineup. They play hard. Every shift when they're out there, they know their role. They do it. But I do think they're gonna get beat down by other parts of the game that they can't sustain it. Jay, what'd you think of the hit on Rust? Double hit. Yeah, I think it was like a well. That that Hathaway always seems to be in the middle of everything, right? He's always a guy that's like that. That was the, I looked at it as a mix of a bad, you know, a bad, a bad. It was like you got you got caught right in between. And Hathaway, oops, by you know, didn't mean to do that kind of hit. Is what that look? You could tell by his reaction, right? So he saw him getting hit, and he still went through him. That's how I viewed it, you know. And, and again, it's a little, it's bad luck, timing, and all that, but. I thought it was Garnett Hathaway plays the game hard. It's a guy you'd love to have on your team, right? He plays hard. But he's in the middle of a lot of stuff like that, and I think that was part of it. He saw what's kind of happening and went through him, and Brian Rust um, uh, took the worst of that. Jay, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you, and we'll talk. uh, We'll be that much closer to the trade deadline next week. I know. You got it, guys. Great to talk to you, too. All Take right, Jay, care. We'll see you, buddy. That was Jay right. Caulfield. Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, personal injury law firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Uh, and the 50-minute mark on the fan is coming up here, brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Yes, Paul? I was going to say, I think, Jay, I think Jay does an incredible job. He's great, isn't he? I, I like him because he's a former athlete who actually played the game at a high level. Yeah. But he's not one of these – I don't want to say more. He's not one of these guys that just apologizes for players. You know, like some of these former athletes, they get up there. Right. No matter what a player does, they defend them. No matter what – and, and and obviously, you know, he's got to – he works for the network and stuff, so he's got to be – he can't be completely just lambasting people. But he's always honest. He is. That's he's all, great. That's what I always say, like, well, these guys – you, you, to me, you have credibility if you're just honest. You don't have to be somebody that rips and criticizes, but I like the fact that he can have honest conversations about things. 
and say things that maybe some of these other guys won't because they feel like they're still part of the brotherhood. You know me, what I'm me saying? Me too. And that brings up uh, an interesting topic as I was just reading about Brady and how he's been like at pretty much broadcasting camp getting ready for next year. Like he's gone into like deep preparations. Right. I think he's going to be good. Yeah. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to. The Brady we're gonna we're gonna see is not like the Brady we saw, you know, in news conferences or, or stuff like that. He's gonna be loose. I think he's gonna be funny, and I think he's not gonna be afraid to be critical. Yeah, but because, that, yeah, I agree with you. That's the key. Because at the end of the day, if you're Tom Brady and you're watching a game, and you say, you know, I don't know, Dak Prescott, he's not doing this or he's not doing that. If you're Dak Prescott, what what, what are you gonna say? I mean, exactly. that's Tom Brady. You know right. what I'm saying? If you're, ta- if you're some jamoke, it's different. So I think he's going to be free and loose, and I agree. I think the other thing about it is he's maniacal in how he prepares for things. I think he's going to be um, – I think they might actually have to dial it back with him where they say, listen, remember with Tony Romo, you can't be giving away plays. And you know what I'm saying? You can't be doing those – I mean, because I think that's how he's going to approach it. So do I. Now, you never know until someone actually gets on the air on television. There's a small chance it could not go well because you just don't know. In the meantime, Lou Yetzi from Shaler. Did you like that little uh, segment with Jay Caulfield, Lou? And and thanks for coming in, man. No, absolutely. Uh, Everything he said, you know, he's very knowledgeable. I obviously played the sport. So, yeah, liked hearing that. What did you think of Paul's ice before you met him? Uh I always wanted to meet you. No, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, that's good. Time. Maybe I'll Were see you at Shooters. No. Yeah. And he's a very nice man, isn't he, when you meet him in person? <laughs> very nice, yes. <laughs> well, we'll be, well, maybe I'll see you at Shooters sometime. Absolutely. You know what? Shooters has maybe the best Bloody Mary. Really? And Bloody Mary's are unbelievable. That I didn't know. You drink those. The Luke? best, the best Absolutely bloody, not. the best bloody Absolutely. Mary is at Carmela's in the South Side. The second best is at Shooters. Interesting. I'm just they do have you. the coldest beer around. I will say that coldest, coldest. Yeah, their their bloody area. Mary is outstanding. That's always a key. In fact, the yeah. day I was there with you, Joe. Yeah, I almost wasn't able to drive home because I had maybe one too many of them. Oh boy. Uh, thank you, Lou. <laughs> thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Maybe you win the next one and get to Aruba. Unless Paul, unless Paul beats you to it. There's a lot of people that come to that contest. They're really good, so it's going to be hard. We'll see you, man. Thanks right, again. We'll Thank see you. you, brother. All right, Paul. Coming up next, you and I have uh, some free agents in football to talk about. They're all ranked. I want to see if any of these people will be a good fit for the Steelers and also some running backs out on the open market that didn't even get franchised that I think could really help some teams. We'll talk about that coming up. Text line is important today because you want to get in on text in the city late in the show, so put your name on there and give a hot take. Text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. With your fan headlines, this is Sean Myers. The Penguins in Vancouver tonight against the Canucks. Puck drop scheduled for 10. Vancouver with 82 points, tied for the most in the NHL. It's the start of the Penguins' four-game road streak. Four-game 
uh, road road trip, I should say. Pitt at Clemson tonight for men's basketball. Not a road game for the Panthers as they, with their 9-7 mark, tied for fifth place with Clemson in the ACC. The tip-off is at 7. Pre-game starts at 6.30 right here on 93.7 The Fan and on the free Odyssey app. Headlines powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville now open for more. Check out 93.7thefan.com. Tell me a little more about college basketball. I'll be honest with you. Last year, things went so far south with all these net rankings and everything else that I've almost made a pledge to stay away from this crap this year. Like if Pitt gets in, they get in. If they don't, they don't. They don't have that great of a resume. But, man, they got a big game tonight, right? They do. If they win, they got to win tonight. If they lose tonight, it's over. And the reason it's over is because they really don't have any other opportunities to get this except, is a, except for the tur- ACC yeah, tournament, Yeah, right? you know what we found over the last few years? There's not a lot of weight in the conference tournaments. Yeah, it doesn't, well, yeah unless it, you unless win you it. Unless you win it. Yeah. But, um, but at the end of the day, there's not. they don't put a lot of weight in those games. Um, yeah. Most of the work you do has to come before the conference tournament. What were you just talking about with the Big 12? So, so here, here's the, you know, here's the long and short of it, though. Um, so it, back to Pitt, though. They have to win tonight because tonight they have a quad one quad one game yeah. on the road win a quad one game on the road it really gives you a good bump they don't have many other opportunities um actually they don't have any really coming up so even if they you know if they won if they lost tonight and then they won their last couple of games well, the last couple of games aren't going to do anything here's the rub if you look at all these bracketology nerds and, and i'm like you joe i hate the i hate the whole thing but one thing that they do is they look at all the metrics that the tournament looks at. The mm-hmm. committee, the tournament committee looks at. Yeah. And that's how they come up with what they're doing. As of right now, the Big 12 has nine teams in. Nine? And nine, yes. And as of right now, Virginia is one of the last teams in. Okay, so they technically right now, Lenardi has five ACCs. Most of them have four ACCs in. Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, and Brad Brown now called the, he talked about this, and he's so correct. One of the things I've always argued about Jamie Dixon is that the best thing that Jamie Dixon did when he was at Pitt, besides, I mean, they won games and stuff, was his non-conference scheduling because he would fool the RPI every single year. And I always argued, people would argue, well, they're underachieving because they lose early in the tournament. I always argued they were overseeded for what they really were. And they were overseeded because Jamie knew how to manipulate the, the he RPI. He really did. Okay? And, 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 and this is one of the things I always say about Jeff. This is why I think Jeff is, is, is really short-sighted with his nonsensical beef with uh, Keith Dambrot. Jamie loved playing Duquesne because it was either a neutral site game some years it counted as a road game, and usually Duquesne is right around 100 in the RPI. You get a win on a neutral floor. And this thing about, well, you know, it doesn't help us if we lose. They went 38-2 and two or something against Duquesne over 40 years. If you're afraid of losing, you're not the right coach for Pitt. Seriously. So what did the Big 12 guy say about Jamie? So, so no. So Brad Brown now, who's Clemson's coach, was talking about why 
the Big 12 is getting where they're at. And it's because they all scheduled in the non-conference really bad teams, and they beat the daylights out of them. So all of their efficiency numbers, all of their Ken Palm numbers and efficiency numbers are way out of whack. Okay? Yeah. So the thing about it is, if you, if you, if you look at it, the ACC is actually 9-3 and three against the Big 12. But the Big 12 is like viewed as uh, by, by all of these metrics as being way superior. And, and here's and, and, and so Brownell actually points out Jamie Dix, points out TCU. But here, here's, here, here's what their non-conference schedule is. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Here's who TCU played, and you tell me why they are getting more credit than Pitt. For the, okay? They played Southern, Omaha, UT, UT Rio Grande Valley. They're usually pretty good. Mississippi Valley State, Alcorn State, Larry Smith, Houston Christian. Then Jamie did what he does. They played a road game, but of course it was at Georgetown, who's terrible. But you got a bump from the road game. Then they played Clemson, and of course lost to Clemson. They played Arizona State, who stinks. Old Dominion. Then they lost to Nevada. They played Hawaii. Then they played Texas A&M Commerce. That's their non-conference schedule. But, of course, they've got a bunch of 30- or 40-point wins in those games. And so their efficiency numbers, their offensive efficiency, their defensive efficiency. So what Brad Brownell said, and he, and he and he's so true. It's so true. Let's see if I can – oh, here he goes. There, uh, Brad Brownell talked about the, the Big 12 teams for manipulating the net. They're non-conference scheduling, and they play 300-level teams and winning by 40 or 50 points to increase their efficiency numbers. Our, our league is actually 9-3 and three against the Big 12. We played TCU, beat TCU. TCU is doing okay and doing well in the, in the Big 12. I remember preparing for the TCU game and telling my staff, look who they've played. They haven't played anybody. Every game is Abilene Christian and Houston Baptist. <laughs> That's a great quote. <laughs> it's true. So the point of, the point I'm trying to make is the metrics that they're using right now are stupid. Because at the end of the day, I've said this a million times, Joe, and of course coaches. I, I'm, Jamie Dixon and I sat one day at the Peterson Center almost nose to nose arguing for literally 45 minutes about this. But I always say every team that's outside of, say, 110 – in the net rankings, RPI, whatever the metric is now, should be treated the same. From 110 to 300, whatever. Yes. should all be treated the same. Because the bottom line is, if you're a tournament team, you should be beating the daylights out of those teams. Anyways. I like that. I agree with that. You know that. what I mean? To me, there's Well, way how to... much do they take into account strength of schedule yes. when they sit down? How much do they, they? That is a part of it. That is a part of the metrics. So wouldn't but TCU again, be penalized more for that than they would gain no, because, because points the for, for their ratings? Is, no, because the bottom line is all of the Big 12 teams pumped up their non-conference. So the Big 12 as a whole, the metrics for the Big 12. So playing those Big 12 games is giving them what they need, which is what happened. Which is what, listen, that's what Jamie did here. I know people don't want to hear that. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm telling you that's what he did here. No, he put he put all kinds of time into having his own formula. Exactly. He was actually it, it was brilliant. I give him credit it for it. It was brilliant. That's why when they started, you know, these last five or six years when they started going nine and nine and whatever in the in the in the in the Big East or the ACC or whatever, when they started going 
you know, where they were just basically 500, they were always getting into the tournament. Why? Because he had the right formula, played the right teams, and I'm telling you, he understood. I, I actually had a discussion with him about, about the Duquesne game. He said he never wants it to be a home-and-home because home, playing Duquesne at Pitt doesn't help Pitt. Right. But playing at Duquesne does help. And so that was his point was, listen, we'll do a neutral site game or we'll even let be let it be their home game at the arena. Who cares? Because we're getting the extra little boost for playing a non-home game. Yeah, that bothers me that the city game doesn't get played. It really does. Right. And it's on Pitt. And I, I, I just, you know, people come back and say, well, if Pitt's good and winning big games, nobody will care. And you're probably right about that. I do get that. But I enjoy... Forget about what it does for Pitt's uh, ratings and th- tournament chances. Yeah. I just like watching hey, the game. The right. game should happen. Absolutely. No question. Here's the other thing he said, and it's true. This, this is what Brownell said, right? That's why you see teams trying to win at the end of games by 30 or 40 points instead of putting in their walk-ons. The Big 12, they're playing eight non-conference games, seven non-conference games against low-level teams and increasing their net. Then when they all get into the league, their totals are higher. Their net rankings are higher. So the teams are perceived to be better than they are. And that's true. The Big 12 has 10 teams in the top 50 of the net. Have we jumped the shark with analytics everywhere? Yes. This was the first time that I ever saw in the NFL a guy win an award based on not just analytics, but like deep analytics, and that was Miles Garrett. He won that award because of pass rush win rate. Yes, I don't even know what that means. There's another reason he won the award, though, Joe. It's a lifetime achievement award. Yes. Yeah. It was his turn. Right. And Micah Parsons will get that soon, too. Which is stupid. You're right. But but you're right. They needed to go to all those things. To justify it. um, To to justify why Miles Garrett won the award. (laughs) It's funny. Would it be better just to have a panel of people whose lives are spent watching college? I guess that's kind of what it is. is It's not really like people who really watch college basketball and just have them decide this. But but I think, again, one of the things that you need to do, as I said, get rid of if you play a team outside of 110. Yeah. Or 120. Okay, let's let's go 120. So 120 will will give you you will give you credit for 1 through 120. Everybody else counts as 121. And here's the other thing, Joe, if you play the 121 to 300 or whatever, yeah. Unless you lose it. If you lose it, it kills you. But if you win it, doesn't matter if you win by 1 or by 50. It counts the same. I like if you that. Did that. I do. If you did that, it would change everything because then all of a sudden the games that really would matter would be Clemson against TCU playing each other. And Clemson obviously won the game. Right? Iowa State playing, uh, I think they played Virginia. or They played They played one of the teams from the ACC and, and, and the ACC team won. You know, the ACC went 9-3 and three against the Big 12. Those games would all of a sudden take on a larger meaning, which they should, because quite frankly, who gives a rat's ass if you beat Rio Grande Valley by 50 or by 30 or by 20 or by 70? doesn't matter. It's a game you're supposed to win. Who cares? I agree with every syllable you just said. I really do. I'd like to look deeper into who, who actually makes up the tournament committee. 
Is it mostly athletic directors or there's other who's on it? Well, remember the committee for a while there. I'll tell you who it is, right? Uh, NCA. Remember for a while they had other people that weren't. You know what I mean? Yeah, they had like Condoleezza Rice and people like that. wasn't Wasn't she on it at one no, point? No, that was the football. Remember, oh, yeah, that, that was, was the fo- football. Here we go. Selection committee. Ready? <laughs> that was football. Yeah. So they have Charles McClelland, SWAC commissioner. Yeah. He is actually the chairperson. Scott Barnes is on it. Basketball guy <laughs> Basketball Barnes. Basketball guy Scott Barnes. Jamie Pollard, who's Iowa State's AD, North Carolina's AD, Minnesota's AD, Alabama AD, Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, Butler AD, Sanford AD, Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wichrell, Temple AD, and Santa Clara AD. That's the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. Okay. Here's my problem with that. One, two, three. Well, why don't they have people who cover the game? Right. Or who played the game? I'm sure some of those people did, but I'm just you know saying, what I mean. I'm just saying when you look at that committee, it, there's no way you're going to convince me that this is – they basically have a bunch of numbers in front of them. And they do it through analytics, and they do it through uh, you know net rankings and uh, efficiency numbers and Ken Palm numbers and all the other stuff. Here's my thing. I watch Pitt play. If you're going to tell me that you think there are 68 better teams than Pitt, I'm going to tell you you should stop watching basketball. Mm. Honestly. Here, I'll go one step further. If you're going to tell me you think there are nine better teams in the, in the Big 12 than Pitt, then you should stop watching basketball. But again, their argument would be, well, the only way we can do it is through, through numbers. We can't do it through the look, the look test. We cannot do that. But to well, me, at some point, you do have to win some big games. I guess Pitt's done a little right, bit of but, that. But, but, They've done a little bit of that. But, but, but that's my point. If you look at TCU, the best two teams they probably play in their non-conference, Clemson and Nevada, they lost to. I mean, but you know, in conference, they've beaten some good teams. Yeah, they beat. Okay, they beat Houston. They have a win against Houston and a win against Baylor. Good, wonderful. And a loss to Baylor and last a, night. And a loss to Baylor, right? But you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're in a conference, okay, Pitt beat Duke and Pitt beat who? They beat Virginia, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're in a conference, for the most part, you're probably going to win a few games. But like I said, when it comes to Jamie, he's the, there's nobody better than him, which is why all those years that we were told he underachieved in the tournament, I said they were overseeded, and probably overachieved by getting where they got. I mean, they were they were they were overseeded. They should never have been like a three seed or a two seed or yeah. a four seed in a lot of those years. But he was able to fool the RPI, the same way they're fooling the the, the net rankings. Well, I've got a treat for you next. A little mailbag to dive into where somebody asked these kinds of questions. What does Mike Sullivan have against younger players? Do the extensions of Keller, Reynolds, and Hayes handcuff the Pirates from other players at some point, signing them such as O'Neill Cruz? Uh, and then one I thought you would particularly enjoy was down near the bottom here. Oh, Yes. Do you think, and don't answer it now, do you think if Pittsburgh got an NBA team that got real good real fast, it could surpass the Pens in their decline? And do you think it would pass the Pirates, even if the NBA team was just okay? Let's talk about all of that coming up. Paul Zeiss, 
is in for the whole show today. He's in for the whole week, as a matter of fact. Fan Hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted uh, plumbing and heating and air conditioning provider for over 50 years. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge. Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. We'll also get into, uh, well, Tex in the City is coming up next hour. Treats galore here on what is being called the Joe Show for however long a time that's going to happen. Paul and I will also maybe go head-to-head. Is this a PTI? I'm ready for it if you guys are. You have the topics? Yeah, I can make up some, too, if you don't like them. So okay. we're flexible. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Warm but rainy and a high of 61. Paul, you want to do a our own version of PTI? Paul thinks incrinculently. That sounds we'll call good. It PTI. Paul, that sounds good. Paul thinks incrinculently. Pittsburgh Technical Institute. Yeah, that'll work too. Sean, don't call me. Seth Myers has a number of questions. We each get what thirty seconds. Is that what we're doing here, Sean? Yeah, I think that's a fair amount of time. He'll have us on a time clock. You go first on the first one. I go first on the second one, and then uh, our friend Sean judges us on who won each round. Okay. Like a boxing match. Okay. So I'm <laughs> okay. first or second? You're first in the first round. Okay. And then I'm first in the second round. Okay. And you, you will I don't hear know the how clock. this is going to work. I'm I'm a little bit scared here. Yeah, it's okay. We'll find out. It's all about trying new things, right? All right. I do have a buzzer, by the way. If anyone goes over, I will utilize that buzzer on you. Oh, yeah. Well, as soon as the 30 seconds is up, you press the buzzer, right? Yes, that's correct. All right, so let's start with Major ready, Paul? League. Are you ready? Yeah, he's yep. he's locked in. I'm right. ready. Major League Baseball, one of the Boris clients uh, came off the board recently, Cody Bellinger re-signing, but several of his players and several other notable players are still unsigned as we near the very end of the month of February. Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Matt Chapman, we know the names. Is there anything that you think Major League Baseball needs to do differently so that some of the best players are still waiting to sign in February, even into March, what would you do to change things? If I was Major League Baseball, I would have a free agency signing period, much like they do in other sports, and it would basically be you cannot sign free agents after February 1st. So you have from the end of the season till February 1st to sign free agents. And that way, you can't have this thing where they just leave these guys lingering. Then I would have a period as after the season began – for injuries if you want to sign a free agent. But this would be this would make teams I guess I I can't I can't talk anymore. Can he finish the his thought? I just no? say this would, Go ahead and finish all it. All I'm saying is this would force teams to sign these guys and, and stop playing the games that they play. All right. You want to start me on that one? I don't understand the question. What would you do to change Major League Baseball having so many free agents still unsigned in at the end of February, All right, start even the into clock. March. Start the clock. The problem here is is Scott Boris. It's all his guys, mostly, is it not? And I don't like him, and he doesn't like me. And I got in a shouting match with him once <laughs> over something I wrote about Mark Appel, that, that, the, 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 the pick the Pirates made all those years ago, and it got real ugly, and he threatened to call my sports editor, and I said, go ahead, here's the number, 
412-320-7800, something like that. Uh, it's, it's his guys. If they don't want to sign, then don't sign. They don't need to do anything about this. Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. You want to go find a good deal with a good team? I'm sure guys like Cody Bellinger, they were out there. Then go sign. You don't, then don't. Sit home. Don't sign. Okay, so now I pick the winner? Yeah. Okay, I pick Paul Zeiss. <laughs> the reason is, while it is a lot of Boris guys, this is a, more of an epidemic than just him. If he were to quit tomorrow, I think this still is an issue. So, Yeah, to your point, I, I, I always use the example of Neil Walker, his last two or three years, right? He had to wait until late in training camp and take peanuts because people said, well, he's a veteran guy, right? Veteran guys want to play. We're going to wait till he's desperate. Then we're going to get him for nothing. That's the that's the the game. That's the business. I don't I don't like that. Next thing, fifteen seconds. Let's cut this to fifteen. <laughs> and as soon as the buzzer goes, you have to stop in the middle of your word. Okay. Okay. No add-ons. Everyone's favorite time of year in the NFL. It is the start of the combine. I want to know what is one thing you would keep from the combine if you were to scrap it all together. What is the only thing that you would keep around that has some value or use to NFL teams? Rich Eisen running the 40-yard dash. Other than that, the whole thing stinks. You read about these stupid tests that they give these guys. Then, then, then what, what does a vertical leap have to do with anything? I see defensive linemen, and they're measuring their vertical jump and how they're running the 40. And <laughs> What was the question again? <laughs> I, was, I got stuck on Rich Eisen running something or something. What was the question again? If the NFL Combine were scrapped and there was only one aspect of it that was kept around for value to NFL teams or to the players in it, what would you keep? I would definitely keep the 40-yard dash. I mean, you got to find out if guys are fast enough to run. It, the whole point of the Combine is to figure out if guys measure up. You know, lifting weights and all that other crap doesn't translate to the field. But running the 40, even though it's a straight-line 40, at least you get an idea who's fast Who's not fast? Who looks fast? Right? Who can run? So I would say the 40. That was very well-timed. I'll say that much. All right, Sean, here's how the game will work, too. You just render your verdict with a brief explanation, and then we move on. I am going with Joe. I do think there's some value to it, but he gave a good answer because everyone enjoyed Rich Eisen. And the fact that he hates it all together, I think that's a sentiment that many people would echo. If you're fast, you'll see it on tape or some form. You don't need to necessarily have someone there with a stopwatch. All right, we go to round three, tied at one apiece. Paul goes first. Okay, last night the NBA officials admitted that they made a mistake at the very end of the Pistons-Knicks game that ultimately cost the Pistons a game. They've lost enough games as it is. Two-part. One, do you like the refs admitting that? Two, should anything be done, either punishment to them or some sort of continuation to the game itself? I think refs should admit mistakes, and when they do, if you've got too many of them, you should get demoted or you should get suspended or you should not be allowed to do certain games. There's nothing you can do to change the outcome of the game because who's to say they didn't miss a, miss a call in the second quarter or the first quarter? So to me, that's ridiculous. But refs should be held accountable, and they should have to answer after games. I was watching – am I on? You were on. 
I was watching this game live. They spend half their time in the NBA calling these crap fouls all the time where guys flop, where you're protecting stars, where there's a screen 80 feet from the hoop, and they're all worried about that, if it's moving or not. This guy gets tackled at the end of the game, and they don't call it, and then they say they made a mistake. Yeah, there's something you can do about it. Go back and replay the final 10 seconds of the game. The I like the passion that Joe had there, but I think uh, Paul had it well covered, and I agree. It's too tough to say one call means we have to continue the game or something of that nature because then you can nitpick every single call throughout the entire game. So Paul wins that round. It's 2-1, Paul. Is this a best of five? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay, game four, back on my home court. I better win, and I go first. You like this game so far, Paul? Yeah, it's fun. We're doing good. I think this is good. Yep. 15 seconds. We don't question Sean. He's the imperial judge. Do you, I, I like it. I like it, too. It's the Pittsburgh Technological Institute. That's what we're calling this? Well, PTI? Or PTI, right? Paul's thoughts. Paul thinks incrinculently. Yes. I, I, I like that. Go ahead. Perfect. So this is near and dear to my heart. Last night, and I don't know if you heard the morning show, Adam Crowley played the clip. There was a college basketball team that won its first game of the season. The announcers spent two minutes straight screaming incoherently in celebration. There was a minor court storming. Do you like... <laughs> announcers who go nuts, who scream, who let out their homerism, or do you prefer guys to call it down the middle, let it breathe, do less? Is it better or worse to have someone like that screaming in an excited situation? Like, Is this me or him? Me. That was – we have to start over. He did, That was psychological warfare. He can Paul, clinch the series. Paul, you can Come on. Yeah. He tried to sabotage me. Ready? First of all, I like Homer announcers. Rick Jenneret growing up in Buffalo. I don't need on a hockey broadcast to know the puck goes to the left, then to the right, now the center. Just give me, get excited when something happens. Secondly, at the end of a game, however, you have to let it breathe. Tony Romo didn't do that in the Super Bowl. Shut the hell up and let's hear the crowd and experience the moment. I don't need your analysis of the final play of the game. Just shut up. Oh, boy. We have a restart here on the clock. Bear with me. Uh, That's fine. Rick Jenneret was awesome in Buffalo. I, I'm watching the game on TV. I don't need to know every hockey player that, that touched. I'm, I just saw it. Yeah, went from yeah. the right defenseman to the left defenseman. Nobody cares, well, A, is, and I just is, saw is it, it different B. If it's ra- is this radio or TV? Because it's different. Uh, well, that, that I don't know, but I'm going to start the clock now. You can cover both bases. If it's TV, I agree, shut the hell up. If it's radio, I think that you should probably uh, give a little bit of the color because that's what you're doing. You're painting the picture of what's going on. That being said, a guy's screaming and yelling like a nut, I don't need that because, A, you didn't play. You're not a part of it. We don't need to hear you make it about you. He is really good at timing these out, isn't he? Very good. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. You know what? I'm going to go with Paul just because he timed it so perfectly. <laughs> you prevent a game five then. All right. Do you want to do a bonus that. one anyway? Want to do a bonus yeah, one, Paul? Because we we're I, kind I, of practicing anyway I today. won the series, though. Just Can so we, you know, this is I a know. bonus. Two games to one. Or three, three to, to one. one. Yeah. What the hell was that? Other this than is, blowing is, out my <laughs> eardrums. <laughs> This is what happens when we mess around with the clock ticking the whole time. Okay. I think this can work, Paul. Yes. I think every we day we bonus should do one. this. Let's do it. We'll pass now, am I this first off. or is he first? You go first. You go first. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay, this so is, last pretend night. Pretend this was game. I can't believe you ruined it. It's um, going to have been a five-game series. But the drama would have built to this. That's true. All right, Joe won that one. No, he didn't. No, no, no. That's not how we do it. This is no, no, no. I won. I won. This is a bonus. This is a round. bonus and a practice round. Okay. For us. Okay. I had the the pleasure to do a high school basketball game last night. Semifinals: girls' action. Norwin defeated Char Valley. They're in the championship. 
I love high school basketball. I love girls basketball at a high level. Give me your favorite team or player for high school basketball girls that you've ever seen. And I know, Paul, this is certainly something you are very familiar with. Mm. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't say North Allegheny when my daughter played for the team. That would probably be tough for me to not. So, North Allegheny, the first team that ever won a Whippeal title in basketball in boys or girls, my daughter was the only senior on that team and was, you know, one of the two stars. So, that team. And by the way, do you know who interviewed her after that game? You. You got it. Absolutely. So, there you have it. See, now you two are in cahoots over all this. <laughs> well, you're going to have to a really him. good answer then. All right. I covered girls basketball for years. I, too, love girls basketball, love watching uh, women's college basketball. Margot Barr from Deer Lakes was a hell of a ball player. Was there a three-point line? Yeah, there was a three-point line back then, but I think people didn't shoot it as much. If, if they shot it as much, she would have been unbelievable. Same with Corey Lady, as Dan Durkin told us yesterday. If she had a three-point line, woo! You like that, Paul? Yeah. I'm going to give it to Joe just because he seemed a little perturbed that the last one wasn't Paul. <laughs> but both good answers. I appreciated yes. that. I mean, now I feel, know, I feel patronized. But, but again, that's the thing. I, I, I've seen some of the – I mean, did you ever see Swin Cash playing? I didn't cover Swin Cash. The only Tanisha time I ever – Wright? If I had to, if I had see, to I was it, out of the high school game If then. I had to give a second one, it would probably be the Tanisha Wright-West Mifflin team. Her, when she See, you're her. actually involved with uh, coaching uh, a lot of Tanisha these girls. Tanisha Wright, I, I laughed. So that they, was an unfair question now that they, I think of it. You were right in his wait, wheelhouse. Here, here you, you go. You still got it. Tanisha Wright. Patronize. So I covered, I covered girls basketball, right? I go out to, I don't know, uh, what's that play? Mount Aloysius or wherever it is to cover a state playoff game, and it's Indian Valley, right, which is from out on the other side of State College. They play against uh, North Catholic. They beat North Catholic. So their next game is going to be against West Mifflin and Tanisha Wright. So I hear all these fans, and they're telling the girls, and they're talking about how, oh, well, there's not a one-man team's going to beat us. I said, okay, I can't wait to cover this game. The next – you can read, you can pull up the story I wrote. So the next game they play West Mifflin. Yeah. They're chanting overrated. Tanisha Wright in the first quarter does not have a point. Her team's up 20, though, because she's got like 12 assists. Who are they playing? Indian Valley. Yeah. So in the second, you know, they're, they're chanting, even though their team's down 15 or 20 or whatever it is, they're still chanting overrated. She can't score, blah, 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 blah. I think in the second quarter, if I'm not, correct, if I'm not mistaken, she scored like 24 points in the second quarter. Just to basically stick it to them. That was probably the, pretty much the end for that little town and their basketball team. <laughs> Do you remember Corey Hlade yes, from Duquesne? Absolutely. absolutely. She was great. Yeah, I played pickup against her. She could, she could really go. She's one of the best college players we've had around here. The I've... best, the best co college player. Well, here's the thing. If you go back to Lori Johnson and Jennifer Bruce, you know, those, those kind of players. Let's say, you know. I don't know, 2000 and on. Yeah. Okay? Because it was a different era back when those guys played. The best college player we had around here was Shavante Zellis from, mm. from Pitt. Mm. She was ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. Did she go on to the WNBA? Oh, yeah. She had a very good career in the WNBA. Great player. Really. Do you, do you agree with this? Listen to this. We've been mentioning this for a week now. 
I think this year, maybe last year, but definitely this year, is the first time in college basketball history where if you and I walked down the street and saw a bunch of casual sports fans, went to a sports bar downtown, said, name me the best player or two in women's college basketball and men's, that this is the first time in history that most people will be able to name the women's players and not the men's. Yeah. You agree? Well, certainly the one women's player, and probably two. Probably two. Probably two. Angel uh, Reese and, Caitlin, and uh, Clark. Caitlin Clark. Yeah. And that's a product of the best players in men's basketball. I mean, I, I got it. I got into this with, you know, Mike. Mike. I love Mike DeCourcy, right? But he's such a defender of the game. He was trying to run at me with Zach Eady. I said, well, he's seven foot tall, so I guess if he was walking down the street, yeah, people would say he's somebody. But how many people would actually know who he is? Not many casual fans Nobody, would be, would, I mean, he, would be he, able to say his name, he, let alone who he was. He's going to be the two-time player of the year. Right. But, like, the best of the best of the best players all leave after a year. I know. I think it's as much a statement on the women's game, though, as, as it yeah, is the men's. It's come along. It's come a long, long way. It really is. I mean, I mean we, were at, we were watching the Super Bowl at my house, and the women in my family wanted to want, so did I, the Caitlin Clark game to right. see if she broke the record. That's never happened the, before. The, where I draw the line with Caitlin Clark is all of these people who just started watching women's basketball last year that want to try and tell me or argue with me that she's the best player ever. She's not. She's, she's not. not. But but she might be the player who drew the most people into the women's game. Maybe. But Maybe. she's not the best player ever. No, she, but, I, I agree fact, with you. In I fact, the other you. night, I, I, I was wondering if John, Josh Roundtree was drinking on air. He's, he was trying to say she might be the best college player, men's or women's, ever, which is just Well, then we get lunacy. into this conversation. First of all, yeah, it's a dumb conversation. Separate men and women. They're playing two different games. Two different games. And I got an eye-opener on that. You said you played against two? I, I mean, I played pickup against a number yeah, of yeah. yeah. I, I, I did a story on Edna Campbell back in the – Mid nineties, mm-hmm. played at Alderdice. Great player, played for Texas, played for national teams, and I was, you know, a, a sixth man on a high school team. Our games were even because of the strength factor. Right. I know that's changed, but still, you, you get these questions like, "Could the UConn women beat a great high school team?" And I said, "Okay, let's go back to." Shenley when they had Dewan Blair. I mean, what are it's no it's not a it's not a, an insult to the women's game. It's just a fact. Right. And I learned that firsthand. Listen, when and I'm I, like this is one of the best women's players in the country and we're having games that are going 25-23. What what does that mean? For me as I actually played her, it meant the strength factor and I'm not even strong, really. Right. Well, as I say to people, if Will Chamberlain played in a women's game, he would score 200 points if he wanted to, if there were enough possessions, because no one would stop him. So let's stop talking because it's two different games. It's two Caitlin different Caitlin Clark is six foot. She's considered a tall guard. And, and you're right. Guess what? In the men's game, she's a short guard. You're six foot tall. You're, most guards are six four, six five. So I laugh, Joe. Here's here here was something that that you'll you'll appreciate. So I was working at. The Vineland Daily Journal in New Jersey. What? Yeah. I, I interviewed there. Yeah. I, I it was, was almost my first job. Yeah, it was my first job. Vineland Daily Journal. You might have got my job. What May, year? Maybe. So I don't even know. No, because you were already at the Trib. 
You were already at the Trib. I know, but I was at the Valley back then. Oh, okay. What year was this? It was this? probably like 93, 94, somewhere around then. You know, whatever. So You literally <laughs> may have gotten the job that I went there and interviewed yes. for in Vineland, New Jersey. So but go ahead. They had a team, right? St. Augustine, which was one of these basketball powerhouses in New Jersey, which was basically just, you know, their two best players. One was from England, one was from the Bronx. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they played in the Parochial B State Championship. And they played against St. Patrick's, which is in, uh, uh, what is that, Newark right there? It's Right? Maybe it's Elizabeth. One of those towns right up there. But St. Patrick's is a perennial top five in the country type program. You must have spent a lot of time in Atlantic City. Of course. I did. But go ahead. So, anyway, I got from there, right after, the, right after those championships, I got the job at the NBA. So I you know, worked the end of the NBA season there, and then I started with the WNBA. So I was at the WNBA Finals, and I got this big argument with people. And they were talking about that exact thing. Women, I said, you know the high school team that I covered in the Parochial B Championship would beat this Houston Comets team by whatever number they wanted to. Oh, they're screaming and yelling, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here we go. Their top player was the parade uh, USA Today Player of the Year. His name is Al Harrington. Did you ever hear of him? Mm. Went straight from the uh, high school to the NBA. He was six foot nine. There was five guys bigger than him on this team, St. Patrick's. They had a kid coming off the bench who was a seven-footer. His name was Samuel Dallenbear. He ended up playing a bunch of years in the NBA as well. Their point guard was six foot five which I believe is bigger than Tina Thompson. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, like, I started, they're like, well, I mean, yeah. They would put Al Harrington on the block, and he would score every time against the 6'3", 6'4", centers that they got uh, on the comments here, 6'5", centers. Right. I don't know why people want to even bring that up. Just let let what we can enjoy girls' high school and women's college and the WNBA it's a it's, different it's, it's, sport. it's its own entity exactly. just it's, enjoy it's, it's great ba- and I, by the way yeah. a lot of nights I like it better than the it's, men's listen, game listen I love obviously I love it I mean I covered it I cover it I covered it I coach girls I obviously am very big proponent of it it drives me nuts though when people try like this thing where Caitlin Clark's going to uh, going to pass Pistol Pete Maravich they didn't play the same sport so what are we talking about here like, how can, why can't, but it's like this need to try and, we've got to like try and compare it and push it in so, so we can make it like mainstream, like, you know, so, so men will accept it. No, be your own entity. You don't need to do, just like, what's her name? Tara Vanderveer. Oh, well, she's past Mike or Coach K or whatever on wins. They're not coaching the same sport. It's one of my biggest pet peeves, Joe. You, you, you unearthed one of my biggest pet peeves is let the women's game be the women's game and the men's game be the men's game and stop trying to compare. Stop with all these stupid, well, she has the most points, men or women. No, she didn't play, men, she didn't play women, uh, men's basketball. <laughs> I get she it. She didn't play men's basketball. I get the point now. You know what I'm saying? You've and, driven it home. Oh, good. Do you remember when we had a one-on-one in oh, Utah? Yeah, yeah. That, that was a bad day for me. Because you were hungover. <laughs> I was so <laughs> And I thought, I'm going to play this dude who played college <laughs> basketball. I could be injured in this. But he came out like like chief and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. He was just walking back to the three-point line. Dying. But you played college basketball and college soccer? Yeah. Uh-huh. You played soccer college goalie. soccer? Yeah. Point what? Park. I was Point Park. I played. I, I had half scholarship for both. 
Half. How did I not know this till now? Yeah, I was a goalie. I was a goalie for four years, and I was uh, uh, I played uh, for Bob Reger, the legendary oh, Bob Reger. I, know. I knew you played. Wait, he wasn't the soccer coach, no, too. No, he was the AD, though. You know, so. Were you good at soccer goalie? I was 10 times better at soccer than I was at basketball. Yeah. But it is what it is. I, I liked basketball more, and that's why, even though I coached soccer for about 15, 18 years. Um, you coached soccer? Yeah. I coached something new every minute yeah, here coached, with Paul. I coached, uh, you know, I was an assistant a couple of different high Did schools. Did you know so I was I... a naked goalie in water polo? <laughs> no, in, I didn't in know high that. School. Yeah, they made us naked swim in high school. Uh, I've heard the naked swimming story. Yeah, and I was the goalie, but I couldn't swim. Well, that's why I was the goalie, because I, <laughs> because I couldn't swim. I thought you had to be the best swimmer in order to be the goalie in water polo. No, you can hang on the side of the pool. Well, by cheating. But you didn't want to see me make a flying save, I can tell you that. Yeah. I was actually, actually pretty good. What are you making a save with there? I was, <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> and then my other story related to that, I completely forgot. Soccer, goalie, something, basketball, Point Park. My wife went to Point Park. What was I going to say? Um. Anyway, I won that day in Utah because you were deathly hungover. Almost to the point where I felt like you needed to be airlifted away from the place. Was that one of the nights you didn't sleep? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I, when we were out there, I spent every night at Casino Arizona. Yeah, that was incredible. Do you I, have any recollection that we were on the basketball court? Yeah, I do. I remember not feeling very good. And yeah, like, I, I'm surprised I didn't throw up, like on your shoes. What a what a brunch they had. Yeah, it was called the Buttes. We called it the Butts, out in Arizona. Oh my God! What a what a what a resort <laughs> they put us up in a resort like that. Do you remember that? It was remember the, the brunch. It was the Camelback. The Camelback, exactly. Yeah, the brunch yes. was unbelievable. It was like it was like uh, the Buttes at Camelback. It yeah. was like twenty some dollars, but I, we were we were on expenses. And we went all the way there just to watch Pitt get crushed <laughs> by Urban Meyer. He he, of course, he had left already. My remember? favorite part of the whole. Yeah, my favorite part of the no, he was still there. I think. No, they, they no, he was he was gone. They brought in Whittingham. Urban oh, okay. Urban Liar left for Urban, Florida. I thought Urban was still coming. Walt coached the game, right. even though he was gone right, too. Right, right. I, I I remember I thought I remembered Urban coaching the game. No. Because I did remember, he? I think he did. Because I remember, uh, what, what, remember he he was talking. Maybe he did. Yeah, I think he did. Because I remember he got paranoid on the sidelines because right. that guy. Remember, because I know he coached the game because Yogi Roth. Yogi Roth, I was, was standing right next to him. Yogi Roth was taking notes, and he had one of his underlings come and steal his notebook. Urban and, Liar did. And, he and, sent and, a guy and, over to and, go after Yogi Roth, and he basically said, "You cannot take notes of this." And that was it. They shut down their practice the rest of the week. Yes. The best part about it is I was at Casino Arizona the one night and three of the guys sitting at the table with me were Utah players. <laughs> and they're they're like I was like, I thought I thought you guys were like really religious guys. He's like, Well now that's BYU. I said that's BYU. I remember talking to Alex Smith that week. Seemed like a very nice young man. Yeah, he was a good open. dude. I'll tell you who was a total jag off. And I knew Other than Urban be, Meyer. Urban Meyer was the biggest one, but the other one was the offensive coordinator who went to become the Florida coach at some point. He's on TV now. Was it Dan Mullen? Yeah. You what talked a to him? clown that guy was. <laughs> what an absolute jagoff. That's why I rooted every time he got a job, I rooted against it. He was at Mississippi State. I didn't care who they were playing. I was every week rooting against Mississippi State. We have to go.
for a minute. Um, Social media's biggest loser, Mulsey, brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Reserve your consultation today. Fan text line, very important because text in the city coming up. Brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Hotline brought to you by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. And, of course, Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Zeiss here for the whole week, so whatever we missed or didn't talk about, we will tomorrow. But coming up, text in the city right after you do a nice little read, Paul. It's happening again. You'll get used to the clock by the end of the week or to the fact that there Small's is no ice, clock. guys, dealing with ED is miserable. You know it, and she knows it too. New Flow Men's Health is the area's leader treating erectile dysfunction with long-term positive results. Don't be taken advantage of by clinics peddling testosterone pills or other crap. No pills, no injections, no games. Take control. Get your confidence back by contacting New Flow Men's Health. 412-784-9000. or visit us at newflowmenshealth.com. That is N-U-F-L-O menshealth.com. With your fan headlines, it's Sean Myers. Penguins in Vancouver to play the Canucks tonight at 10 p.m. The Canucks with 82 points, currently tied for the most in the NHL. It's the start of a four-game trip on the West Coast for the Pens. Also tonight, Pitt at Clemson at 7. It's a big matchup. Those teams tied for fifth in the ACC at 9 and 7. We will have pregame starting at 6.30 that you can listen to right here on 93.7 The Fan or by utilizing the free Odyssey app. Headlines powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville now open. For more, check out 937thefan.com. Very exciting. We have Paul Zeiss here for this version of Text in the City. Paul's going to be with me all week. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township. Celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. What's cooking brought to you by your local Geico rep, Tim Hester. Thank you, Mr. Hester. Very kindly. Also brought to you by Mr. Reuter. Call 412-Reuter-2. Thank you, Mr. Reuter. Equally as kindly, Paul, we're going to have uh, Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. read a text. Then you and I are going to judge it from 1 to 10 like we were Olympics gymnastics judges. You ready? Go ahead. Judge it on what? What are the factors we're judging? Whatever you want to judge okay. it on. Okay. Okay, we're going to start uh, with Mark in Pittsburgh. He said I would put Pustin in and Bemstrom on, Sid, on Sid's wings. Get that youth up there with him just to see what happens. Raquel has been there and he's been mad. Freaking Ty Smith is the plan on the other wing. Come on, Solly, do better. It's not up to Solly, it's up to Sid. And I'm assuming whoever Sid's playing with, it's because that's who he wants to play with. Would you make this move? No. You gotta have Sid comfortable. I give this a 5.5 for the passion, and I like the line, come on, Solly, do better. 5.5. 4.8. We do 4.8s now? Uh, I'll give it a 5. I'll split the difference. Hey, I'll do what I do. He's going to do what he does. Don't cramp his style. Sean. Okay, my apologies. His right. apologies, Paul. We'll move on to the Are next one. Are they accepted? One. He's not talking. Yes. Okay. Apologies accepted. Silent treatment. Wild Bill from Willard Hill says, Deontay Johnson should be traded or let go. My reason is his performance the last two years. He has two touchdowns in two years. Get him a far away 
as possible from Pittsburgh. There's no doubt he's about collecting a paycheck. I give him a mm, uh, the last part. He's about he's, he works hard, Deontay Johnson, except when he quits. He does work hard, um, but I'm all for trading him, too. I give this one a 7.5. Trade him. It's too much money. Free up some more money. Draft a receiver. Sign somebody. There's some good receivers in free agency, although not that many. I give him a 7.5. His value is in a trade, I think, is far less than his value as a player, so I give this a 4. I give it a 5. I'm okay with the idea of the trade, but when you say let go, obviously I don't think that's a remote possibility, so you lose a point or two for that. Next. Okay, this is from Andy. He says, I think if you look up Rust, it seems like he gets injured prior to many trade deadlines. I have nothing against him. It just seems to be something on my mind. Yeah, I mean, that's not a great text. It's a, it's a thought. I'll give it a maybe a five even. Is it even accurate? Uh, Ryan Rust has gotten hurt a lot in his career. Played 81 games last year, but he's had seasons in the 50s. Uh, this year he's missed, what, 11, 12 games, something like that. It's okay. Sean, I don't know why that, of all the texts today, would be picked. It's a five. We were a little <laughs> light on texts, actually. There's a five. Then we're canceling texts in the city. If the if the listeners can't make their own segment better, we're canceling texts in the <laughs> city starting we, tomorrow. We shouldn't do that. I think I like this. So do I. I agree with you. Five. That text... I could take it or leave it. Yeah. It added absolutely Give nothing. Give us another one. Okay. That text sucked. <laughs> Sorry. Go to the next one. Chucky e. D from Newcastle. Yeah. Well, it's not your fault, by the way, Thank John. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Joe slash Paul. He's addressing both of you, so he's he's tuned in. Yeah. The NFL needs a draft lottery for the bottom six or eight. Too much incentive to lose in this league. I think he's talking there. I'm gonna give him a. I'm gonna give him a nine point five. I kind of like the lottery system the way it goes in the uh, in the NBA and especially the NHL and baseball now, right? Is football the last one without a lottery? I believe. Yes, I I think I'm right. Yes, I believe that. Nine point five. I mean, I don't know. Do we see a lot of tanking in the NFL? Yes, we know. do. I mean, we I saw mean, we I saw mean, the tank for Tua. We saw the Cardinals come here and win game. They could have easily laid down and look. I mean, I don't know. I I I I, I, Here, could, uh, I could go with a lottery if it's like the top five teams. Here's what I would actually the, like to see. Or the bottom five teams. Yeah. But, what but do, you, what me, do you give it? To me, the quarterback position is so important. I don't know if I could go further than that. But I give the text maybe a seven and a half. I think it's a pretty good one. Here's my real thought on drafts overall, maybe especially the NFL. You suck every year. You you, you start to forfeit your ability to draft in the top five. You know what I mean? There's, there should be a limit to how bad you can be for how long. And why Why do good teams get penalized every year? Like, like why are we penalizing the Chiefs? Just because in the name of parity? So the... everyone else can have a chance? What is this? Yes. A participation league? No, but, a participation but, but, trophy? But, but, why are you getting rewarded for ineptitude a... and the good teams are, not, are getting blasted for being great? Because they have a salary cap for the same reason. They suck. The league... <laughs> The league is good because everybody feels like they have a chance because it's unlike baseball where you've got us sitting here whining about a $60 million payroll and people in New York have a $240 million payroll. They don't have that in the then NFL. Then how come the Chiefs win every year? So because they've got the quarterback, which is the whole point of having the top of the, the top of the draft 
be available to the worst teams. They didn't even get him at the top of the draft. They got, they got him, him 10th, like 11th or 10th. 11th, but still, they, 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 they had a bad season, just like the Steelers uh, got Ben. For the most part, I'm the, with you. But uh, if the it, Steelers but, got Ben after yeah. a bad season, did they or did they not? But if you're the Chicago Bears yeah. and you stink every year, you shouldn't be. here's what you should not be able to do. Draft in the top five, three straight years, the top 10, three straight years. Eventually, you have to trade with some of the teams that are good. I, I don't see why teams get penalized for being good. I hate the draft. The whole thing should be a lottery. I like your idea, and this has to get a 10 since it got that reaction out of both of you. You want one last one? No. We okay. said 153, and then I get in trouble if the PM guys don't start on time. They were just complimenting you and Paul together and said hopefully that will be a permanent thing. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Tomorrow you got to do better out there. Come on. I, I made the plea early in the show, and this, this segment's going to die, and you will have killed it. You will have killed it. Right, Sean? Hopefully they step it up. Yeah. Give them one more chance. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Warm but rainy. High of 61. You want to go to the range, Paul? I probably cannot today. Call in sick? Yeah. I, I did enough of that over the last four days. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're alive. I'm glad you're still here. And I'll, I'll see be here you. tomorrow. Lord willing, Crick don't rise. I have no idea what's coming on tomorrow's <laughs> show. Uh, do you? Maybe Mike DeFabo from the Combine? That'd be nice. Oh, you're yeah. not even going to be here. No, I won't be here. Who's here? The City general, Limits? Yeah, the ge- general's going to be tomorrow, though, isn't he? Yeah, the general back will back definitely days. be here. Maybe we'll get, uh, you know, Sean Gentili, Paul? Yes, I do. Maybe we'll get him on the line. See you tomorrow. We can do that. Good night. Sean Myers with your fan headlines here with the Penguins traveling to. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.